0: You are listening to Hottest 100s and Thousands, the Top 10 of 1994. You will know it is time to turn the page when you hear the riff play like this. Are you sitting comfortably? Then I'll begin. me, it's not my family. We are Hottest 100s and Thousands and we have taken control of your radio station. There <laughs> in which we talk about the songs that have been deemed hot enough To be in the Triple J Hottest 100 My name is David James Young And I'm one of the four voices you're going to be hearing For the next hour or so Joining me one more time Mr. Adam Buncher <sighs> Mr. Andrew McDonald Indeed And Mr. Nathan Harrison That was so beautiful man, I'm crying <laughs> So you should be <laughs> My friends Oh <sighs> Romans, countrymen, brothers, sisters, friends, and I see some enemies. Not yet. (laughs) But, you know, they could
1: be made here and now. People could switch off.
0: Look, the four of us here are like a generic reality show contestant because we are not here to make friends.
2: (laughs) I'm playing the game.
0: Ladies and gentlemen, this is the top 10 of the Triple J Hottest 100 in 1994. Four.
2: And our opinions thereof. Yeah.
1: What are Just... we are we going to win? The countdown was 21 years Yeah, ago. Uh, and to be honest, like... You
0: know what we're going to win? We're going to win the fucking
1: internet. Quite the price. Piece
0: by piece. We're going to start at the very beginning because it's a very good place to start.
1: God, that line's never been delivered so menacingly. <laughs> I know.
0: Everything's going to be fine. Or it will be, eventually. But for now, here's number 10. This is seven heads with dead eyes open.
3: I'm not going into details. It's too horrible, so horrible that when Bernard Spilsbury examined the residual shambles in the bungalow, he said it was more gruesome than anything even he had ever seen.
1: That, from a great pathologist with unique experience, constitutes a warning not to be ignored.
0: That was the seven heads at number 10 in the 1994 Hottest 100 with dead eyes open. Mac,
4: you're dead inside. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, I'm sorry. (laughs) This is is very much Legacy Australia Mm. electronica For a song that sounds like this to be this high I guess these kind of dance tracks were very in vogue at the time A song with a vocal sample that intersperses throughout But this is honestly a good enough song, I think I I enjoyed it enough I meant meant to hunt out the original Because this is a remix of one of their own songs Um, Their breakthrough
2: single from 1984 It's 10 years old at this point
4: Yeah, like a 10-year remix Much like New Order had done a couple of times as well Bands do it I can hear, like, somewhere in the genesis of this song, I can hear a post-punk industrial vibe. Yeah. But not so much here, it's obviously just pop dancing. I can kind of picture it being played in an alt club night at the time, which obviously that is it's certainly in the vicinity of my wheelhouse. I, obviously the end, the Dead Eyes Open, that is a damn fine loop. I really enjoyed that being played consistently towards the end. It's, it's weird that it's so high now for us, but contextually it kind of makes sense. But it's just aged time-capsually in the sense that it sounds very much like an early 90s techno song. Good enough is the highest praise I can heap upon it. But yeah. yeah.
1: yeah. Like, for me, like, not really good enough considering that the place we're in. And I think that's kind of unfortunate. Yeah, not good enough to be 10. Yeah, mm. like, Hell it's n- just really, really high. But I think, looking on the bright side of the whole thing, it's cool that this is in the countdown because it's preserved this band and it's made me aware of this band. And again, like, I think the story and the discovery of what this band was at this time is a hell of a lot more interesting than the song and what the song's doing. As I said, not not a t- terribly bad song. I, I agree with that. To me, it doesn't really do enough. It's not like um, Sweetness and Light. That sits in a thing, but it changes it up mm. a lot. It kind of just sits in a thing. So it's good, not great from that point of view. But this band... These guys have been kicking around for ages. Mm. They started in 1979 mm. and they went up until 2008. And they were really the epitome of underground DIY electro producers in Sydney. They were actually made by Double J. They sent in a demo tape to Double J on cassette. Huh. And that's that's when they actually decided to keep the name Severed Heads. Before that, they were referred to as... Uh, Mr. and Mrs.
2: No Smoking Sign. That's right. Which is a... Great band yeah, name. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, but it got so much airplay, they said, oh, well, I guess we better stick to this name that we decided, which was kind of half a joke. But now I guess we're, we're kind of stuck with it. Part of the thing that makes this band so famous is they were quite inventive in the way that they were releasing music. Throughout the course of their career... As you would when you go from '79 to 2008, they have crossed so many different formats: Betamax, yeah, (laughs) Laserdisc, Laserdisc, pretty much. Like you can still on their website, which is still up there now. Those tiny little CDs yeah. that were, mini, discs? mini discs? I think they actually did have some mini discs. Yeah, and that's they had so some,
4: vapor. And
1: they had some MP2s. Wow. Yeah, they released on mp No, no, no. That's legitimately, if you look up this band, you can see that some of their music was released on MP2. That's I don't even sure. I'm not even sure I understand what that means. How does that, even that work? I don't know. It's a two layer MPEG. Whoa, slow down. <laughs> <laughs> um, slow down, Mr. Science. Mr. <laughs> One of my favorites was they actually released music via SMS. I don't even know how you do that, but they they did. And you can still purchase their music via CDR on their website, which is, which is still operating now. So the aesthetic that these guys have of, you know, like thrown together, experimental, DIY, release it, get it out to the public any way you possibly can is really, really cool, I think. And it's cool that I, I got to know about that. And I can see how they would have, similar to so many other bands throughout the course of the 90 songs that we've talked about so far, you know, why people would say we need to rally behind these guys, we need to get our postal votes in, we need to get these guys known and up there because they were Triple J darlings. Yeah.
0: Normally... There's a lot of drug-taking involved with this kind of music, and right now I feel like I'm taking crazy pills for all the love that is in the room for this. Well, I
1: know I said it was it's good,
0: not
3: a huge great. Amount
2: of love. Like, it's not, not much love so far. Like, just the fact about... that
0: you guys liked it at all is, is fucking baffling Oh. To
2: me. I didn't think it would be your jam.
0: But those that don't remember, last year at number 10 was a song called Stone Me Into wow. The
2: Groove. <laughs>
0: my a swedish rock band that i literally cannot remember the oh, name of
2: yeah yeah
0: yeah the, that the one.
2: singer had
1: a weird name nicholas like, frisk
2: yeah, nicholas frisk that's an amazing him, name but I if i weird remember. you mean incredible you loved that name last year as well <laughs> yeah good cool. one
1: passed me yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you would get on
0: so right. weird number
2: 10 so far yeah.
0: yeah uh so i thought that was boring generic rock music and this is boring generic house music maybe there's a curse of number 10 i don't know but whatever the case i think this song is a shit sandwich. I think it's pointless and boring and annoying, and I think that the sample goes nowhere and it stays there. Yeah, I got nothing out of this, and it fucking boggles the mind as to why this was so popular. I don't know. I'm throwing up my Jerry Seinfeld shrug and being like, I don't get it. What's he is going too. on?
1: I think that's a fair reaction. Yeah, you know, like, I'm in a position where I'm not really going to argue with that very much. I think that's fair. I pay that.
2: Nathan, what do you got, sir? I really like Severed Heads. I. Get into them a lot. Did you um, know them
1: before this song? Yeah, yeah. Oh, you did. Yeah, um, because you were to- ahead of the curve with Itchy and Scratchy as well. So something about the Sydney electro scene. What can I say? Because you're a massive raver, of course. Yeah, How that's can it. I forget? That's it. You're all forgetting you that I'm going to live, live forever. You that's have right. lived
2: forever. <laughs> yeah. You were
1: there in '79. Yeah. So I've listened to bits and
2: pieces. I really like uh, the album City Slab Horror, which I think is 1985. Seven Heads are really wonderful in how weird and experimental they are. They have touches of industrialness, but also their name was kind of a joke because they didn't consider themselves to be industrial and wanted to kind of invite people to think that they were, and then to not <laughs> not give them that at all. That's kind of cool. This song, it doesn't have the weirdness. The like, it's not very experimental, mm. you know, or whatever. I, I, a lot of their other stuff I much prefer. I think this song is is good. I still get into the melodies and everything, and and it's fun enough. I think that the sample works really well. It's Edgar Lustgarten, who is a crime novelist, Ah. uh, reading from his uh, book Death on the Crumbles. I think this is important information.
0: But I, So did they sample it from an audio book or did he actually I come in so. and do it?
2: I, th- I think it's him reading it separately. It's not a bespoke sample. Right, I think right. it's it's a found sample. I, and I really like that. It, ha- it kind of has that disembodied BBC radio. Yeah, definitely. Like, it's not cheesy enough to be Vincent Price sample, mm. but it's also gesturing <laughs> towards that. Yeah, true. Just in that darkness. And I think that plays off really well against how not dark the actual song is. It's kind of just this fun little boppy whatever. It works for me. I totally get why it doesn't. And also though, I will say I I much prefer the other severed heads that I've, I've heard, but then I can get why, you know, I think this is good enough. And it's a 10 year remix of their breakthrough single from a band who at this point is still doing a lot of really cool stuff. So I can see why it's here and, Mm. and I like it enough.
1: Can I also just say if any Sydney-based electronic producers are looking for samples, feel free to sample this podcast. (laughs) I'd be into that. We've got beats.
2: If you've got beats... We've got the we've got beats. We've got... (laughs) Are you ready,
0: ladies? There's so much underwear getting thrown at the podcast right now so many pairs of underwear so little time I'm giddy like a schoolgirl. oh my god it's Tom motherfucking Jones number 9 it's if I only knew yeah Number nine, number nine in the 1994 <laughs> Triple, J Triple J hottest 100. Yeah, but Taylor, st-
4: Taylor couldn't be in there though. Too pop.
3: <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> Hashtag vote for Tom <laughs> yeah. Jones Mate, in for Jones.
3: Yeah, we
0: are jo- we are Jonesing indeed right about now. Nathan, what's new, Pussycat?
2: Okay, so so first off, obviously, you see the name here and you're like, what is, is the this same doing Tom Jones? Here? Is there a Sydney Electronica producer named Tom Jones working in 1994? <laughs> but then, honestly, I think as soon as the song starts and as soon as I remembered the song...
1: With that I, scream! It's, it's incredible. Oh my <laughs> but God.
2: I, I can absolutely see why this is here. Yes. I think this is a very concerted effort and a, con- and a successful one, uh, looking at the position, and making Tom Jones relevant to a 90s audience. Yeah. Do you know the context? Uh, well, I know that this is two years after his appearance on The Simpsons, which is important to know. That is important oh, to yeah. know.
1: And it is one year after his appearance at Glastonbury. Yeah, right. Oh, wow. Where uh, he, that would have been amazing. In a similar way to how Dolly Parton became mm. relevant very recently to a whole new generation. And a couple
0: of years before that, uh, Shirley Bassey played with Glastow as
1: well. So Glastonbury has been doing this for quite some time. And Tom Jones, I think it must have been a concerted effort from the people behind Tom Jones or maybe Tom himself. The people behind Tom Jones. <laughs>
0: There are a lot the of people artificial Tom creation of Tom Jones. His, yeah. <laughs> His team, the puppets, Smith the puppets standing behind the Jones the thrones.
1: Yeah, to get him out there and in with the kids. Yeah, but, but and it worked. It works
2: because this song takes the big band Tom Jones sound and it adds just enough, not too much, but just enough beats. And, like, loop influence and just, the, like, the hook at the start. The do 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 Like, that sounds yep. like it could have been in any other Electronica song. Or pop from, song. Or pop song from yeah. this countdown. Are you saying that Tom Jones has beats? He, he does. He has beats.
4: I'm sorry, how has we not brought up the goddamn cringeworthy bullshit of the rap? Oh. I'm, I'm going to.
2: So, So, I think musically, this is pitched perfectly in the landscape of music that's happening right now particularly in terms of translating Tom Jones' sound into 1994. Even the film clip, like, it's a 90s stoner with a hat that says pervert, yeah. smoking at home, and then getting caught up in watching Tom Jones do this song. There's no subtext to that. That's just no. what this song yeah. is trying to do. The chorus is so direct. It, it, it's doing the same thing. If I only knew what I have to do to make you love me. Like, to make it, you make you love me. He's talking to us right now. Like, it's like, you know, it's a love song, but also it's not at all. Cool. So the verses are terrible. But I think he knows that. I think that's the point. Like, I I think, like, there are moments when it works enough. And I think the bits that are really, really bad, I think there's enough of a wink there. And it's fun enough that, like, he didn't intentionally go out and write a bad verse. But they're playing around that fact and making it work for the song. And his voice, like, his voice is great. He's Tom Jones. Like, he...
1: I would even say, in this song, it's better than Chris Cornell. Whoa! Whoa. Oh, my God. You don't have to. no, no. No, no. Nathan, I'm <laughs> gonna I'm gonna say it. I'd I say it,
0: L has been out I'd say it as L. well,
1: but
2: <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah. the king is dead. But Long his, live the
2: king His voice is great and like between the beat and the horns and everything around the music, it perfectly contextualizes that to now I think everything about this song works and I can see why it's here.
1: Everything about this song is hmm. incredible. It just keeps giving. It gives from the very first moment. Like yeah. I thought I was ready for it when I hit play, and then he comes in screaming, and it's just huge and bombastic. Quite
0: literally screaming. It's not just a yeah. A, it's it's, a inc- it's
1: incredible.
2: And, it's and just- that's in the film clip as well. He does that scream, and and the the pervert stoner kind of is like whoa 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 what's like- this? <laughs> and that's that's what you do. You're like oh my god, this song is this song is here. By
4: the way
1: that it cuts to the footage of Tom and he's looking directly at you, like and you become the pervert stoner as well. You're
4: right. It's, it's we are all. The perfect uh, stoner. <laughs> I think this song is too fucking cheesy. <laughs> is- oh, yeah. Of course yeah. you do. Yeah. Oh. No, th- th- I, I I really loved that conceptual analysis. I thought it was very w- well put there, Nathan. No, like, yeah, I, know, nice. I, I enjoy it more because of that now. But like. To me, this is just not a good song. I, I I didn't enjoy it when I was listening to it, and I don't enjoy thinking about it. This is not a good song. I do not like this song. But you like fun. <laughs> you are a, you are a bad man, Mr. Tom Jones. <laughs> Your music oh, is you bad, like and Tom you should Jones, feel bad. Though? Like I, I like Delilah. That's about it. What's new, Pussycat? I like the joke <laughs> <laughs> Green Green Grass of Home I don't know it. He's, got, he's got all the hits Sex Bomb Why has no one talked
1: about Sex bombs? Why has no one talked about Sex bombs It hasn't happened
3: yet
0: Has it no, no 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 Sex Bomb's a few years later So he had three hits in the 90s which are If I only knew Sex Bomb and uh, a cover Burning Down of the House birds, yeah. Incredibly
1: bad cover it's incredibly
4: great. No, it's awful. Are you <laughs> trying to not like this song, though? No, no. I went in there thinking, holy shit, this must be something interesting for Tom Jones to be in Triple Down Hundred. There's no way it could be here if it's just a Tom Jones song. Yeah. And it's just a fucking Tom Jones song. No, mean the rap was just awful. It's <laughs> wild. The
1: whole it's thing so is t- wild. To me, it
4: was... How do you do, fellow teens? Like,
1: <laughs> <laughs> that, it is that, but it's great for that. Like, it's just... I don't know. Like, I love the concerted effort. I love that it's dorky and it's trying to appeal, whatever. But it's just like the whole thing comes across as so big and so enjoyable if you just let it happen. If it's it's just- so
4: market-ready cool. It's it's all no big deal to him, of course. It's he- so commercial, like, hey, kids, we heard you, like, hip hop Yeah, Here, but that's great. yes, Mr. Tom Jones. I know, like, but, no. but I don't know. Like, everything about it works for me in yeah. such
1: a big way it's just it's just like fun and fun and fun and enjoyment and like i don't think i'd ever get tired of the song happening because it happens to you you know
0: i don't think i ever appreciated tom jones enough if I'm honest, like... No one does. No, like, back in the back in the day, like, growing up, like, you know, it was just like, he was on The Simpsons, like, oh, it's cool, you know, it's like a dorky, like, Father's Day artist, or whatever, or a Mother's Day artist. But, like, that, he's one of the few artists who can be a, both a Mother's Day and a Father's <laughs> yeah, Day artist. Yeah. You get a Tom Jones album for your mum or your dad and your home and host. Fucking sweet deal. Yeah. Um, a couple of years ago, Tom Jones put out an album called Praise and Blame. This is an album... Entirely filled with old blues and gospel standards.
2: Oh, I was hoping uh, he was doing it again, and it was
4: like dubstep.
0: <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, no. Does, he he does, went full like fucking old school on this track it, record. Does that include
4: his Black Betty cover? Uh, no, it doesn't. Ah, uh, it is. It is. Beautifully awful. Oh. I, re- I recommend it with the video highly. <laughs> oh
0: man, I'll have to check that out. No, it's got like Burning Hell and Crossroads and like super old school stuff. The record label saw it and got really fucking angry at him because he said he was doing a covers album and they thought, oh, you know, he'll do like Sinatra and shit. It's just like, oh, he's done all these like super obscure like traditional blues songs that nobody knows. This won't sell. And Tom Jones became fucking cool again. It got these massive rave reviews. And he did these amazing live shows where he normally has, like, this 12-piece band or whatever. It was him, a guitarist, and a drummer. And that was it. Man, I pay that. And it was so fucking cool. And, like, Tom Jones at this point was, like, 70-something. It's just like, do what the fuck he wants. And... Now he's at the point where he just does what the fuck he wants. He just turns up wherever the fuck he wants and does whatever the fuck he wants. He's just like, he'll, like, coach on The Voice occasionally. He'll still tour and do, like, the old hits.
4: He has the balls to go on The Voice?
0: (laughs) (laughs) Man, if anyone... The audacity! If anyone can fucking judge a voice, it's Tom Jones. This is a guy that can tear paint strips off walls just by fucking thinking about singing yeah he's got that kind of power in his voice and as far as this song goes i pay it i have a lot of fun with this song like it was one of the last like major hits that he had but uh you could tell he was just having so much fun with this song and the the production is cool and like the myriad of different ideas that run through the whole thing like uh, i i just had a ball with this one
1: there have been Uh a lot of daggy dorky songs the hottest 100 both this year and last year Yeah, but this is one of them but this is one that I wholly and truly get behind and I can embrace for what it is and for whatever it happens to do and I wish I wish I could explain it more but I (laughs) love it too much I'm sorry
0: (laughs) when we talked about Sheryl Crow recently Nathan said uh, and I believe this is verbatim I love this song because I am a dork Yeah, Uh, I love If I Only Knew by Tom Jones because I am a fucking dork.
1: No, nah, but Tom Jones is cool, man.
0: Oh, Tom yeah. Jones <laughs> is so cool. Well, he became cool again and then he became cool. uncool again he's and now cool. he's sort of cool again. So nah, like as cool. so a- long as this song exists He, he comes cool. in- he comes and goes with the seasons. Like Tom Jones is sort of for the children at this point. Like it's weird. Like got to get it
1: on a t-shirt Tom Jones is cool. That's, <laughs> that's all it says doesn't have a picture of him.
0: Uh, um <laughs> Uh, two uh, notes uh, before we move on. Uh bit of trivia. At 54 years old, Tom Jones was, at this point, the oldest person to feature in the Triple J Hottest 100. He was later topped by Allen Ginsberg... The Beatnik poet in mm. 1996, who was 70 at the time of uh, the Ballad of the Skeletons being recorded, and oh he, man, he died. When we get to that, <laughs> he died three months after it came into the wow. top ten of the Hottest 100, uh, and then
4: the curse he- of the Hottest 100. Again. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right.
0: I think the current record holder is Mr. William Shatner. Who was seventy three mm. at the time of his cover of Common People? Of course, uh, coming through
1: until Tom Jones drops a massive single later on this year, yeah. just in time. for oh, the camp. Oh my God. God. I'm with you, Tom. I'm ready. I believe in Tom. I believe in Tom Jones.
0: Yes, indeed, <laughs> poor Andrew. I
1: wish Tom Jones were my father. <laughs> 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 the Burn Adams dad. <laughs> Shout <laughs> out he to Adams listened.
0: dad. Uh, and Tom it Jones
2: would be- if he was your dad.
0: <laughs> <laughs> at number eight. This is Max Sharam with Uma. Rum, I'm not really sure, uh, but that was number eight in the 1994 Hot 100, and it was a song called Coma.
1: Mm, I can believe that the pronunciation changes depending on her mood,
0: <laughs> <laughs> like a mood ring. Yeah,
1: yeah, no, it's, it's sharam today.
0: So, what color is your mood ring at the moment, Adam? Sharam. It's.
4: Is it a She-ray.
0: fiery, fiery red, like a, a placid blue? Like, what are we? What What is this song? make you feel an and,
4: and indifferent beige perhaps <laughs> Oh,
0: it's not in a different
1: beige, but it's a um it's a rather i don't know it's a pleasant enough yellow, i suppose pleasant a yellow flecks of other stuff in there I
0: don't, know, I don't know mood rings man I don't adam pleasant yellow is not p g okay? <laughs> uh, you just you pleasant. just got the explicit rating on iTunes,
1: <laughs> damn, <I laughs> damn
0: yeah,
2: you got us that yeah yeah.
1: yeah. <laughs> Who were you skull-fucking last <laughs> week, David, by the way? Oh, shit, I can't even remember. Yeah. yeah.
0: Was it John so, Spencer?
1: So many people. No,
0: explosions.
2: no big deal to that guy. <laughs> <laughs>
1: oh, yeah, so you think you've got everyone sussed out in a hottest 100 in the top 10. And then, oh, I never think that. No, <laughs> no. Well, I, I fell into the mistake of thinking that. It's like, oh, top 10 will be fine. It'll be all stuff I know. And in comes Shahram <laughs> <laughs> with this track. It caught me off guard. Is it top 10 material is a, a big question, and I don't know whether the answer to that is yes, necessarily. It's certainly weird enough left of center pop that's going on here. Loads of uh, interesting instruments, a slightly bjerkish vocal uh, affectation going on. Yeah. I have to say, with all the other weirdness, it's all nailed down pretty solidly by a, a, a well-realized chorus. Like, you may say well-realized to the point of being unremarkable, but I think it gets it across the line. I think it, it it's definitely incredibly necessary. Um, And it allows for all that other weirdness that you see, which makes the song, if nothing else, at least distinctive, have its own character and characterful enough. Really interesting artist to read about.
2: Yeah, her story is quite interesting.
1: Very interesting indeed. She's a woman of many talents. She studied behavioral science at uni, then straight afterwards went to Europe and was there for a number of years where she then hung out in Rome with a uh, kind of a bohemian art collective before she was picked up by a Florentine opera, which went touring for quite an extensive period of time. She came back and became a stand-up comedian in Australia, and then eventually somehow wrote this song in 92, uh, had it featured in some kind of like... New Faces. Yeah.
2: A television talent show. Sure. Mm.
1: And it kind of exploded out from there, and uh, ended up getting some Aria nods by the end of it. And Mm. I guess... She's a woman that needs no introduction, <laughs> <laughs> and one of the achievements is uh, is making it here.
4: it was a real um like another one of those reminders of like, oh right, this is an Australian countdown. Yeah, because, it is a like, bit of that. It's not like it's not, not because it's a bad song, but it's so obviously not an international hit. Like it's, it sounds like an, it sounds like a not not like a charity vote of by any means, but like the obvious kind of quiet loud quiet structure of it. It's just like. Yeah, Australian rock kind of thing, but the the verses are pleasantly weird. I think, but yeah, I thought the like the, they they weren't weird interesting enough. They were just like I doing this. I see what yeah. you're doing, and the court the choruses that were big weren't big enough. Um, yeah, so it'll it all just fell a bit short for me. It was pleasant enough. Like,
3: okay. Yeah.
2: Yeah, that's that. Like I wasn't on board with the verses. It just kind of sounds like not great Bjork mm. a little bit. The chorus is very fun and and kind of justify the verses a bit more, I guess, in terms of that quiet loud quiet. But it's just. Yeah, I'm not really with it.
1: I'm with it yeah. enough. Like, I'm not. I'm not sure. Tom don't, Jones I don't, I don't with it. I don't but. hate it,
2: but yeah, I don't know. I just, I didn't get much from it.
1: Like the chorus,
2: I, I, definitely got a bit of like, um, like Liz Fair, what she was going for with Supernova. Yes, that that mm. kind of vibe, like, yep. funnish girl, rocky kind of, you know, whatever. Yeah, eh.
0: I, I just think it's interesting to note that there's more than one song in this countdown with a weird yodely bit.
1: <laughs> oh, who <laughs> I knew? 94, the year of <laughs> the year of the weird
0: yodel. Um, does anyone else feel like the chorus doesn't particularly fit the verse? Like, I feel like she was writing two different songs, and she was just like, well, I like the verse in this, but the chorus is shit. And she had this other song which was just like, well, the verse is shit, but the chorus is good. And then she fucking peanut butter chocolateed that shit, and...
4: Yeah, they, they don't work together heaps well, it? it's not an obvious, like... No, that's okay, because I, I think I both of them
1: are
2: good enough. I kind of like that they don't yeah. fit, just because... I think the core like the chorus is so poppy but it's really challenged by the verses being not that. So I, don't, I don't And know. the
1: whole idea of the song is about breaking out of apathy. And it is it is slightly less energized in the verses as well which matches you know what's going on lyrically and then the the chorus I'm coming around you know mm. like the song's called Koma. It's about it's about waking up. It's about mm. she's uh, all about living life, man. I forgot to mention as well somewhere in there she uh, she went to Hiroshima and studied taiko drumming, you know. So like she's all she's all about having that zest for life.
2: Oh man, I, yeah, okay.
1: <laughs> she might be really hard to talk to. She might be one of those yeah. people, you know. It's like oh, when I was in Hiroshima studying taiko drumming, just before I was in that Florentine opera, like um. Okay, mate. Uh,
0: There's a couple of things I wanted to say. Like, the first is that I didn't know she was Australian. Mm. uh, So I think that probably says a lot about the lack of identity in this song. Like, there's a lot of songs on here where it's just like, oh, yeah, that's fucking Australian as fucking fuck, son. (laughs) But then there's some where it's just like... Oh, you just sound like everyone else, but you just happen to be Australian, you know what I mean? Secondly, this is definitely another one of those songs where it feels like it's number 78 or equivalent. Mm. It Mm. does not feel, nor sound, nor have the impact of a song that should be in the top 10 of anything. Uh, if I'm perfectly fucking honest, like all of the
2: top ten so far, I think would have you yeah. know we wouldn't have batted an eyelid if whoa, it was whoa. in the 70s or 80s. Hang on, if, like if Tom Jones was in there, we would have like we still would have been like, why is this here? This I is amazing. It. I
1: would have wanted a higher.
2: That's great, me too. But like, <laughs> I, still, I get you.
0: I I don't know. Why do you think people like this so much? It's 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 weird.
1: It's Moment more- in time. Maybe it's we had to be there in in 94 and see what was going around at the time. Yeah,
2: mm. I think the narrative around her in terms of like just being this weird eclectic performer and then going on the talent show and sort of having this weirdly breakthrough hit that isn't very pop friendly particularly with the verses i i think people could probably get on board and with and the that. other yeah. thing is
1: maybe she herself was incredibly disarming and charming and had a lot to do with her persona because there's something i've only just realized now like there's a whole lot we don't get because we're not seeing these people sometimes in terms of like big pop singles especially mm. we're not seeing them go about being pop stars necessarily well I, I think
4: more than that even we're not seeing the amount of airplay and push they got from triple j at the time there's that as well like, this is there's that as well it's difficult like I don't, I don't know how many votes got this song up like was it yeah. what was 600 like three ha- yeah <laughs> <laughs> three or, votes to get number either, 8 either, oh no i mean like between
1: <laughs>
0: one between this martin, and the yeah. other two for martin <laughs> okay.
4: Yeah, it's like Yeah, What the, I was talking about margins of different. <laughs> yeah, it's, diff- it's different to know, It's difficult to know how big a push was required Yeah Yeah,
1: yeah. 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 That's why we need the insider music mole inside Ooh. Triple J to tell <laughs> us some stats
0: We'll find you yeah. We will find he'll, you He'll find us Oh, yes, he will
1: He is the music mole.
0: <laughs> what was that?
1: Edgar and I are sometimes insane What
0: the fuck? <laughs> uh,
1: he that is though the-
0: At number seven this is Nirvana. This is the MTV Unplugged version of About A Girl.
1: This is of uh, her
2: first record. Most people don't own it.
0: At number seven, or uh, well, the final ever time, or well, second ever time, actually. Spoiler alert: They will come back in a few years, but in a really? very, in a very different way. Yes, as they will ghosts. Mm.
1: as ghosts, spoopy, spoopy ghosts. Yeah. We're not spoiling anything, are we? Talking about you know, you're right. Indeed, that, we yeah, are. Right. In
0: 2002, right, uh, which okay. was included on their self-titled greatest hits album, mm. which yeah.
1: I get into. I think it's a pretty, you know, just to jump ahead many years. It's pretty <laughs> many, many years. Mm. Yeah.
0: So, Nirvana about uh, a girl. From the MTV Unplugged album that they did mere months uh, before Kurt went bang bang bio. You always talk
1: about Kurt Cobain with such reverence every time he's mentioned. (laughs)
0: Well, after Courtney finished slaughtering him and made it look like suicide, and you know,
1: yada yada yada. Some people say. (laughs)
0: Uh, Bracket citation needed. (laughs) I've talked about the recurring theme of Power FM songs, songs that were inescapable from my local radio station growing up, which has ranged from more or less everything from live to gin blossoms and back. This, weirdly enough, is a Power FM song. This is how I first heard this song, even before I knew who Nirvana was. This used to get flogged, used to get played all the time. So when I heard the original for the first time, I was just like, oh my god, it's so fast and loud and, like, heavier, and it's a rock and roll song. I thought this was, like, a a quiet, like, nice Like acoustic song. It was a weird moment for me. It kind of opened up my my world a bit into Nirvana, and uh, you know, then I discovered Teen Spirit and yada yada yada, and so on and so forth. But, um, I love the MTV Unplugged record. A lot of people of, do. Yeah, it's, it's, I, I know. I'm, yeah. I'm not special at no, it. No, no, no. Oh, that wasn't that was what I'm saying. I'm just saying like, the
1: we're on hallowed ground right now for a lot of people. Yeah, 100%. About this album, this song, like all of it. Like people talk about this is one of the greatest live albums of all time. Yeah, 100%. Time.
0: Like you took...
1: <laughs> Me and what? Andrew are just cracking our knuckles yeah, because we're horrible knuckles, cynical knuckles people neck, that yeah. just want to
0: ruin joy. All right, I'm just I'm just gonna, not going to look at you guys because yeah, <laughs> you just you're, you're crushing my vibe. You took one of the loudest bands of the early '90s and you put them in a setting where they don't even have so much as a distortion pedal, and this is what you got out of them. You got a completely different different side to so many of these songs. As much as I am wary of giving credit to Dave Grohl at any point these days, (laughs) Dave Grohl's drumming is fucking incredible on this record. Like, he took those huge smashing drums from his from the original recordings and turned them into these light little whispers and, you know, the perfect little accentuations and, you know, adding in his own backing vocals and stuff like that. Having Pat Smear on second guitar works really well. This is ostensibly a death vote. Uh, when somebody dies, we're just like, oh, that's sad, we should vote for them. Uh, so you're so Jeff Buckley and Elliot Smith later on. Uh, and uh, even when the net, the hottest 100 of all time happened in 2009 or 2010, uh, like three Michael Jackson songs got mm. in because we were like, oh, he's huh. dead. That's a shame. Uh, let's vote for him. I think that's very dismissive of like. It's a. This is a the, the rather complicated
1: reaction that the public has to the loss of an artist. No, but it's, it's a, a factor
2: at least. It's a, it's fair sure. to bring up.
1: Sure, but not necessarily to dismiss out of hand as saying like, "Oh, they're dead. We better vote for them." Like Elliot Smith, no way would have gotten in the hottest Michael Jackson if wasn't dead. as well. That's a yeah.
4: usual one. Yeah, yeah. three like, times particularly. Mm.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it, it may, like, put a level of accentuation on the artist that it wouldn't have had previously. But, you know, like, it's it's part of a process. Oh,
4: it's not a shitting on the public, but it's definitely worth bringing up. So like, why is this so high? Because he died recently. It of happens course. all the time. Yeah, Of like, course.
1: I don't know. I just don't want it to be, like, that's an invalid reason. I think it's like, a pretty good Like, Lou Reed
0: reason. was in the charts when he died. Like, yeah. Lou Reed yeah. was never in the fucking charts. But, like, the ultimate Lou Reed and shit like that was back in the Billboard charts and mm. shit because everyone was buying his music because he's dead.
1: Yeah, everyone cares about B.B. King now, you know? Oh, yeah. <laughs> (laughs) yeah. yeah 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 i'm sure i'm sure
0: the essential bb king is like number 23 back in the charts like Mm. after spending like 45 years away from the charts and shit you know that that's just the way things go and they mark up they mark up the prices too man yeah Yeah. they definitely mark up the goddamn prices on those albums
1: i guess i'm a feely guy i just want to be like guys if you got feels you
4: know have them bring them to adam
0: you know what i'm done i'm throwing this to the dogs fucking do your worst (laughs)
4: No, I don't hate this song. I actually think the original. Oh, so think, the cracking
0: knuckles was just for show. <laughs>
4: partly, like I, I, I think I've long said Nirvana are like like the most overrated band of the '90s. This is like, but like I far prefer talking about Nirvana from a conceptual standpoint for that reason. And the fact that they open the MTV Unplugged set with this because the original electric version of About a Girl is not bad, but it's an uh, it's an unremarkable rock song, totally from like a perfectly serviceable record. If I only ever released Bleach they wouldn't be Nirvana, obviously. They'd just be a band. Mm. And I think that stands as a really powerful statement to open up MTV Unplugged with this song that's like from their first album. It's like, oh, okay, right, we're not playing the hits here. And the yeah. MTV Unplugged session is that. it's not, yeah, they're yeah. not. They're not playing the hits. They only play like one or two popular songs. And
0: ironically enough, this did become a hit. Yeah.
4: <laughs> um, yeah,
1: but through through this version, which is... Yeah yeah. yeah, yeah. I love the fact that in the introduction, he says, we're going to play a song from our first album, not many people know it. And then they play about a girl. To listen to that now, you go like, what? Mm, it's such a yeah. it's a weird disconnect, but yeah. it makes you realize how important the, this version was, which many people call the superior version of the song. Yeah. It's, it's certainly
2: it's- the definitive version. It's the yeah, perfect. yeah. And, and, like, the cynic in me finds it hard to ignore the idea of the record execs, you know, rubbing their hands at having this beautifully recorded sad song just before he died. It's so commercially viable. And True. Like, yeah. You know, and it's, it it's is, hard to yeah. ignore that, but... But also, it's a beautiful song, and it's it's such an
1: incredible version.
2: And what he does with his voice in it...
1: Oh, it's a very good vocal performance. Phenomenal it's phenomenal. Because yeah.
2: like, if you're doing that kind of unplugged thing, like it, it's so easy to just suck all the energy out of it, mm. or to push mm. too
1: hard. Especially when you're a but, grunge artist. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah.
2: But he, he keeps a level of intensity, but there's so much fragility and, and delicacy in what he's doing. Yeah. It just pulls the song together. And, for better or worse, makes it this incredibly commercially viable part of his narrative that... People yeah. can make a lot of money off, but it's still a beautiful song.
4: You can't really hear this objectively and without any bias, yeah. like today. You can't yeah. listen to it because it's it's loaded. It's yeah. loaded, and it's like a swan song. Yeah, like it's like yeah, this, this is it. The, the the band burned out. They were so end of their career here. Obviously, for worse. Nobody wants anyone to commit suicide. Like it's no. it's an incredibly sad narrative. That's wise that's why it works. You can't remove context from it. And I, I kind of go against myself here and say that's okay. Like it's okay to have this. Not with objectivity, it's just so fucking sad because of where learn. it is. It's kind of like, I'll permit the indulgence because it's so, like, it's just so big. It was the end of grunge. Like, this was the end of so many people's formative part of their lives. Yeah. And there's never, with the way that the music industry works now, there's never going to be another movement like grunge. And it was kind of a last kind of moment in 20th century music and I think it's okay to have that as a positioning for this song like not to not be able to look at it objectively that's okay I think
1: there was a lot of concerns about this performance because he actually was suffering from really bad drug withdrawals when yeah. he came, when he came yeah. to perform and you know all the execs you're talking about the the, the rubbing hands execs they were shitting themselves yeah, yeah absolutely
4: yeah and they were really pushing him to play more hits on the set as well they were, they were saying, yeah, like, yeah. you guys got to play more pop hits. Which pissed is why it with
0: ends with a fucking Lead Belly song. Yeah, don't chill is, out and play yeah. weird
4: Bowie covers. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Also, you know, for people wanting to fuel the Nirvana mythology or whatever, Kurt asked for the stage to be decorated with black candles crystal chandeliers and uh, stargazer lilies. He yeah, was I do without that. He but... was questioned, you mean like a funeral, to which he responded, yes, exactly, like a funeral. The most intimate and alternative of settings, an MTV soundstage.
4: Yeah.
1: <laughs> it is part of the territory. Also, like, speaking specifically now about the song, I love the fact that The story of the song was that Kurt was up all night prior to writing this Just listening to the first Beatles album You can just so tell And Mm. for me, like it stands as such a Beatles homage Like, Mm. There's something really charming About seeing someone obviously wearing their influences And obviously being in love with a certain kind of songwriting And and just trying to do that Mm. I could see how people would be critical of it But I also think it's really endearing That
0: also connects to um, a couple of years ago When Paul McCartney uh, recorded a song With Mm. Kirsten Ovoselic, Dave and Pat Smear for the soundtrack for Sound City alright oh, yeah A song called Cut Me Some Slack which is really fucking good actually
1: wow yeah huh okay small world <laughs> this needed to be here you're talking about the countdown of 1994 you're talking about what's going on That makes talk sense about when, yeah.
2: particularly it, looking back like yeah. looking back on 1994 this is one of the defining moments even if it maybe wasn't for everyone at the time sure it has sure. become that R. P. <laughs>
0: At number six, it's Baruch Assaults
2: with Seatham.
0: was Veruca Salt at number 6 in the 1994 Hottest 100 with a song called Seether.
1: Hey, Andrew. Hey, yeah. You know what band these guys opened for? Who? Bush. Ah, <laughs> oh,
4: excellent. <laughs> Fuck yeah. Of course they did. That makes a lot of sense. <laughs> <laughs>
0: oh, man. But we are going to throw it to Nathan. Uh, oh, we are too, aren't we? Yeah, we sure are. <laughs>
2: I uh, bet. Just, Let we, me just we, assemble we, my notes. <laughs> we
0: had to just get that bit of trivia out of the way. <sighs> mm, uh, mm. We can't fight the seether, uh, but we can talk to Nathan. About the seether. We finish this sentence. Seether is... Great. Okay, great. (laughs) Moving on.
2: (laughs) Yeah, this is just fun, summary, girl rock. Honestly, I don't have many notes. I mostly just wrote girl rock, girl rock, girl rock, girl rock. Um, You know
0: what? It was actually cringingly called frock rock back in (laughs) the day. That's no, that's Like Babes in Thailand, L7, all that
2: shit, frock rock. To to be clear, I used girl rock as as, an A rolling stone writer. David Fritz or some shit. I use go rock as a loving term, not yeah, yeah, pejorative yeah, yeah. in this case, in This is super fun and summery. I love the, the harmonies of the vocals. I find it very hard, particularly at this point, and to say where Cannonball came in last year. Almost not,
0: exactly the same
2: spot. Yeah, yeah. So it, it's hard for me not to to also think of the Breeders, and I, I definitely like the Breeders more. I think there's yeah. there's a yeah, lot sure. more going on in the Breeders. This song is a bit thinner. But I think it's still a very good song. It's very fun. It's very summery. As I said, the vocals are just wonderful. Like The chorus and the verses just both play off each other so well. There's so much energy and it's just... I don't know. I I smile the whole way through the song.
4: I like this song. and The album that it's from, American Thighs, is pretty good quality. Yeah, it's a sick album. Yeah, but I definitely find Veruca Salt to be like a sanitized version of... Like, Bikini Kill. Yeah, that's it. Like And, like, the other Rikon right movements as well, like the, the, the Tigray and stuff. That was a big this part is... of
2: why I nearly talked about Bikini yeah. Kill last week for ah, the remix. I was yeah, like, yeah, yeah. yeah this, this is here, but also I feel like Bikini Kill are such a big counterpoint to, yeah. to this attitude.
4: It's fun, is the thing. Like, it's, there, there's not much bite to it, which is fine, obviously. It's not their fault. They can make a fun song. But I, I wish that it was a bit Biting. angrier. Yeah, it's jaunty pop, kind of thing like that. But breeders are a good counterpoint, probably more so than Bikini Kill, because... Breeders are also fun But breeders are far better Because breeders are incredible um, yeah. Fucking a. Yeah. This is, this is a This is a, a perfectly good jam And I enjoyed it enough And Summer is good If it was I would never say turn that off Like it's no. good like, <laughs> Yeah, That's I would say good. turn it up Personally Yeah 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 You love it?
0: Oh, dude, yeah. Like, in my opinion, this is one of the best, like, rock singles of the 90s. Like, Wow. Yeah, dude, it's up there for me. Like, it's inextricably linked to that whole time with that perfect, muted, distorted guitar, the big chorus like and the way that nina and louise kind of work off one another like vocally and guitar wise like uh they were a match made in heaven like the fact that this band survived without nina is super super straight of oh, louise rather yeah, one of them left, and they were out of the band for a r- really long time. But in 2013, the original lineup got back together, and literally yesterday they put out a new album. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, so Vruca Assault are back. We can talk about them in the present tense. Yeah, cool. Uh, which is weird but yeah there were they're a cool band they had some really good songs particularly on this record and the record after it eight arms to hold you which is a Beatles reference mm. uh, <laughs> uh, again tying into uh, what we we're talking about previously it's just a super cool super like energetic pop song with the those super fuzzy and super like kick-ass guitars man I got all the time in the world for this song. Like it all. Just oh yeah, melts- if you think it's one of the best
1: songs of the '90s. Well, yeah, <laughs> it, it
0: melts together so well. It just manages to sum up everything that was great about this band in like three minutes. You know,
2: and like you said, it's just so much about Louise and Nina's connection. Yeah, like, both. Yeah, both in terms of the, the the music and just the way they sing together. It's it's all them. They're incredible. I think the yeah. vocals
1: are the thing that stands out the most. And I actually disagree. I think I like the fact that they're not more aggressive i was looking at an interview and they were talking about their influences whatever and obviously nirvana came up quite a bit but so too and i think this is very interesting did belinda butcher from my bloody valentine yeah yeah and they were saying that like what they loved about my bloody valentine is it was very strong very feminine but it wasn't aggressive Mm. and i think if you frame their vocals in relation to being affected by my bloody valentine you kind of it doesn't need as much aggression mm. or whatever. You're
4: speaking my language. <laughs> yeah, 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 right?
1: <laughs> like, this is,
0: this is sugar and spice, you know? Like, seething is literally, like, being angry but, like, trying to withhold it, like, going through the teeth and shit mm. like that. So, exactly. there's, there is anger in this song but it's channeled in this super sweet way. There's a sting in the tail of this song and I think mm. that's why it's such a fucking well-written song.
1: Mm. And you brought up lyrics which was a very, very big thing for this song at the time. What has become accepted as the reading of what this song is about is the idea of an uncontrollable anger, which is personified as being the seether. And so you need to kind of try... You have this relationship with this anger or this side of yourself that gets really angry that you attempt to keep it under control. You wouldn't like me when I'm seething. Yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> it's a bit like that. But also, like, I think... Framed very much from a feminine point of view as well, which I think is very important to the the identity of the song and yeah. the band, but also very important in terms of you know like feminine and the the unfortunate side of of that mm. being read at this time was a whole bunch of really shitty sexist readings of what the song actually was I think the trope codifier for this was uh, Howard Stern in an interview asked them oh it's about anal sex right and they're just like no man Howard, fucking not oh yeah Howard Mm. but that kind of reaction kind of shows how important bands like Veruca Salt Bikini Kill La Tigra all that shit like was at that time for being feminine out there and you know like uh, even like a shout out to Liz Fair at the time you know like being yeah legit being present visible And unapologetic.
0: Yeah. Well, it's funny that you brought this up because they address this uh, in another Beatles reference on the album Eight Arms to Hold You. Yes. Um, Yeah. Yeah. um, So there's a line... uh, on looking through a glass onion here's another clue for you all the walrus was pulled
4: yeah. was
0: blue. um and on this song uh they say the cedar's louise uh, uh just to just to oh, people uh, even more that's which really is, yeah uh the, yeah so halfway through this song they start playing the riff from cedar and the, everyone wants <laughs> to know what the cedar is the cedar's louise huh,
1: huh. <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> really great fucking awesome how much do i pay the name as well veruca salt being, yeah. being named off yeah. that, that uh, charlie the chocolate yeah. factory character so good So great I want a golden goose
0: <laughs> And uh, this song actually served as the name basis for a popular alternative rock band from South Africa Yes, Cedar. Um, who actually covered this song on their <laughs> Greatest Hits album That's cool <laughs> Yeah,
1: they're, Sether, not. Sether, oh, they're, Sether, they're You'd hate yeah. Seether
0: yeah. no, 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 you, you would not like really Seether You would <laughs> not like Seether They are uh, I'll, I'll put it this way Seether's biggest hit was a duet with Amy Lee from Evanescence
2: Okay <laughs> <laughs> Not for me
0: They were, yeah Like a post grunge <laughs> alternative rock Dude actually sounded heaps like Kurt Cobain back in the day
1: Hey, actually, this might cement it David, do you have any seether on douchebag?
0: Oh yeah,
1: there big time Big okay. time, a lot okay. of seether actually Not for me Not for, me. <laughs> Not for anyone <laughs> it's all right. Except me Except for the douchebags <laughs> Indeed Let's, Let's have, have a toast let a toast <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
3: uh,
1: Too easy
4: Too easy <laughs>
0: At number five, this is uh, a- Andrew. Andrew, what are you doing? A- Andrew, Andrew, put it down. Andrew, Andrew, no End of side A. Previously, I noticed one hundreds and thousands.
4: Andrew, what are you doing? It's just, Ed- it's just a glass of water, David. Oh, He's thirsty? Sure. thank you.
0: <laughs> oh, that's much better. <laughs> <laughs> Side B. At number five, this is SilverChair with
3: Tomorrow!
0: Five in the 1994 Hottest 100. The song was called Tomorrow. Adam, you're a child prodigy. I, uh, yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> I don't like to. Uh, to don't don't to like brag to talk about it too much. No. Don't do your own toot. Don't <laughs> want <to> doot. Don't want do your. <laughs> I don't want to get too dooty.
0: Well, yeah, you're much more focused on your electronic music now. You're a much more serious artist now, aren't you?
1: I like to think that what I learned yeah. when I was younger has still transferred over into what I'm doing now. Right. Yeah. yeah. To some extent.
4: Yeah. You're a Silverchair fan though, aren't you? Yes Oh, <laughs> put, put it softly yes. yes, I am
1: This caught me off guard <laughs> a, a, a lot because Being one? No <laughs> this, this song, listening oh, to okay. this song Just this like, th- Silverchair fan, I wasn't
0: expecting that Because,
1: Fuck. you know, like I looked at this song on paper and I went Oh man, Tomorrow by Silverchair I Haven't listened to that in ages I remember it being a pretty okay song I remember liking this quite a bit And then it started and immediately within the, the first. F- oh, dude, you have no idea. <laughs> I discovered this at the absolute perfect time that you could discover Silverchair's frog stomp when I was the same age as the people. When so I was 14? the same age as Silverchair were when yeah. they made it. Yeah, you like know, 14, yeah. 15. That's, that's yeah. it. 14, so, 15. Oh, you know, that era of high school, I played guitar. The planets were aligned for me to love the shit out of this song, and I absolutely did. And as soon as it happened for me recently, I remembered being in high school and in lunch times with a bunch of my friends, just grabbing a bunch of instruments and jamming out on Silverchair songs because they were so fun to play and they were so accessible. And I didn't play guitar for that band. I sang because we already had one guitarist and he was better than me. And I just so happened to, you know, be the best singer out of the group of friends there. No big deal. The one who was willing to, (laughs) Mm. you know, MBD, (laughs) was an amazing vocalist. But, you know, I remember, like, you know, just screaming and trying to be Daniel Johns in this track. It's indivisible from a whole lot of really good feelings and a lot of real good nostalgia. So... I'm going to flag I hope everyone can see that my nostalgia goggles are well and truly firmly on
2: I don't know what you're talking about I can't take these off
1: they're stuck to my head the goggles do nothing the goggles (laughs) they do everything but this I honestly think with the goggles on this is an incredible incredible song the lyrics are so dorky and so (laughs) unwieldy really like there's no command over songwriting apart from the fact (laughs) that things rhyme but you still get something from it like it's still a cool song like it's still got cool lyrics I suppose you know like if you engage with it in that youthful kind of way i think you always have to keep in mind that the guys in this track are teenagers it makes the song sing it's already a great song but that just it, it just embodies it with so
4: much life remember the garbage that you were doing when you were 15 years old because i sure as shit was not writing top five hottest 100 no rockers. Uh, like, exactly that's when it started i was real like all oh, right, right. I forgot the silver chair really liked Nirvana for a while. <laughs> and uh, Pearl Jam. They really yeah, liked yeah.
1: being a combination of Nirvana and Pearl
0: yes, Jam. Yeah. yeah, remember, they were called Nirvana in
1: pyjamas. <laughs> <laughs> uh, also, not Soundgarden, kindergarten. <laughs> <laughs> oh, look, I think it's a fucking masterpiece. The chorus, the riffs, the, the guitar tone is wonderful. It's, it's so really good. The way it's, it's so teenage guitar tone, yeah. too. That
0: big muff. Like,
4: damn, yeah. Because you only have one amp and you get that one. Yeah.
1: yeah, dude. yeah. And they, But they
4: knew their market. They were writing the kind of music that they wanted to hear, and it's it's perfect. Even saying they know their market, that's superimposing something on them. That it, it is, that, no, it is, yeah. yeah. It absolutely they, is. They, they are market. their market. They yeah. are their market. They're yeah. writing music
1: for themselves and they're having a great time, yeah. and it's catchy. The chorus is way too huge and you have to sing along with it. You know, the riff's staccato at exactly the right moment. There is a thickness in tone and texture. Everyone goes ham on their, on their instruments. It's just fun and enjoyable and youthful and I buy into it 110% and and Frogstomp as well, the album that it comes from, I think deserves the, again, rather nostalgia-goggled but very well-esteemed place that it has in Australian rock music history. It's rocky, but to me, like, this is exactly where guitar music is great. For the the demographic that it is for, for what it does and Mm. how it makes you feel, it's top tier.
0: Yeah, 100%. Uh, I should be pretty upfront about this. Silverchair are uh, my favorite Australian band ever.
1: Uh, that is recorded. Yes, that is Yes, recorded. it is. You're going to keep it. It is. That,
0: it is out or... there in the open. All right. Good I days. am more than aware that they are not the best. If I wanted to have a cool or a credible answer, I'd go with like Radio Birdman or like... I don't know, fucking the meanies, the meanies, <laughs> the meanies or some shit. Easy beats, easy beats. Yeah, if high I want test. It, if yeah, fuck, fucking high test, son. I got my hands on a chicken, <laughs> and I'm going to do a show. Shout out to high test, maybe uh, tism. <laughs> I'm on the drug, <laughs> maybe tism. Yeah, if I They're want to be, choice. if I want you to right? be as cool as these two motherfuckers, who doesn't or. Fuck the Drones or the Dirty Three or some shit. Nick Cave and the Bad Seeds, you know? I could have picked anyone, but I picked Silverchair because they have been my favourite Australian band since I was eight. Neon Borum is the first album I ever bought. Wait a minute. Didn't you buy The Cruel Sea? Yeah.
1: Wasn't that the first album you ever bought, though? No,
0: that was the third,
2: I think.
1: Right, okay. It was also while you were eight.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah People are eight for a while Adam. Yeah, yeah, can, yeah They can buy more than one thing <laughs> People, <laughs> I don't, I don't people, people are eight for years
0: <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so the first three albums I bought Were In Order Yeah Silverchair, New York Ballroom Okay Ben Lee, Breathing Tornadoes
4: Because I can't all be zingers <laughs>
0: Fuck you I <laughs> said so that real quickly You had to get that in there <laughs>
4: yeah. Cruelty, Over Easy, over
0: 80 and Happyland. Welcome to Happyland. Oh, nice! Which was the side project of Quan from Regurgitator and Janet from Spiderbait, which you may remember as the original theme song for this show. Their 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 one and only hit single. Uh, don't you know who I am? So why did I pick Silverchair? Why is Silverchair my was favorite? Was it a
1: choice or was it just that's what, I what your heart said? I
0: don't said. think it, it was. Something. It, it, it's they they have always struck a chord with me. I feel like I've grown up with Daniel Johns and I've grown up with Silverchair. Yeah.
1: Um, that's And that's what makes him so endearing as well in part as well, huh? Yeah. Like,
0: I think it really is. There was just something about this music that I connected to. It, it helped me f- make sense of whatever the fuck was going on in my own life.
1: That's true because that's the other thing. Like, not only was he growing up in front of us but Daniel Johns has always put so much of himself and his story inside his music. And his whatever music he was making at the time wonderfully reflected what he was going through at that time. So, like, Daniel Johnson's personality is woven through the music of Silverchair, which in itself is woven into the tapestry of Australian music. Yes. I was watching some uh,
2: MTV videos of interviews with Silverchair when they must have been about 17. And oh, were, oh, my yeah, God, yeah. they were awkward. Oh, and so the awkward. I was, I just I felt so much for them. That's perfect. It was intense, That's yeah. Perfect. Yeah. The host had to keep like he, he would be very big and loud when he's doing all the stuff, but then to talk to Silverchair, he'd have to just be like this because they wouldn't talk any loudness. <laughs> so, so, so how about this? And he's like, yeah. Well, you know, we think that. It's pretty good, and you know we're having a good
1: time. But like, it's well documented that, um, okay, at least Daniel Johns had a really hard time dealing with fame, which is what led to a lot of the other yeah, yeah. the other, yeah, the other issues. He had, he had some along. very,
0: very serious illnesses.
1: He became scared of ringing phones because he was scared that it was music business calling him. Mm. He, had, he had a phobia where he couldn't be near phones that were ringing. If he was in a building where there was a ringing phone, he had to leave. That's how bad it was. Mm. Yeah.
4: Associated, not even once. <laughs> ouch
0: Mac got him a fucking beauty yeah you hate
4: dissociatives yeah, yeah obviously
1: it was a pretty good album oh yeah obviously I liked it when it came out I haven't listened to it since it came out
0: but- I have it's awesome so fuck this guy <laughs> <laughs> dude I even like the new Daniel Johns album like I said we've, we've actually discussed this record off uh, mic. Yeah. I, do, I do pay the I new I don't want to talk about the new Daniel <laughs> Johns <laughs> <laughs> that's uh, um, a so my relationship with the Frogstone record, I think, is a little bit similar to Andrew's relationship with Sound as Ever era UMI. Like, uh, it's kind of like it's indicative of what's to come. It's good, not great on its on its own. Like legs, uh, really? Like, yeah, like I pay. Frogstomp quite enough, but like what would follow? Neon Ballroom, Diorama, those are white silver chair and my favourite Australian band of all time. No, oh, sure.
1: I mean I, I think it's the same for me, but I when I look at Frogstomp and Freak Show, I don't, I don't really look at Freak Show at all, but when I look at Frogstomp <laughs> or whatever, I kinda go like, You did that separate thing that's different to what you did later really well. But that was a point in time and you kinda yeah, yeah, you yeah. kinda nailed that. If you made another Well, I guess they did, they made Freak Show. But if they made another <laughs> Frog Stomp, then I kinda would maybe have liked it less, but
0: I think Freak Show's underrated. I really do.
1: Bro, I'd, I certainly didn't rate it very well yeah, highly. Certainly then, so not overrated. <laughs>
3: <laughs> <laughs>
0: There's a special place to my heart for every Silverchair record, purely on sentimental reasons. I can't give you any, like, serious, like, legitimate reasons why Silverchair are my favourite Australian band ever. I can just... Show you the feels that I had, and you know, ex- and show them in the context of the songs. I really dig this song. I, this is the original version of the song before they re-recorded it for Frog Stomp. One of the key differences was uh, the vocal delivery. Actually, in the line uh, "You think you can keep on going, living like a king," uh, in the original, uh, it's sung the exact same way as the others. Like,
1: yeah, true. Da- this da- is a much better version. Um,
0: and then money. on the in the re-recorded version, he souls it. aside. So, you think you. can keep Oh no, that's on the better version. <laughs> oh, we're living like a king. Yeah, that's like that's a much uh, And actually. I fucking love that, but I love the kind of naivete and the just the simplicity of this song. Even at that, like you can hear the influences, like it's mm. just whatever the fuck they were listening to at the time. You know, yeah, it's true. it's Marbo, it's the vibe. <laughs> uh
4: yeah, I rest my case. Uh Mac, what do you got? I um never had the silver chair connection. I didn't mind the songs when they came out. I really liked Freak Show when it dropped, like at the time. Oh, um Freak Show. Yeah, yeah. we
0: got some yeah. freakshow love yeah. happening.
4: Particularly the song I'm a Freak, I guess, is the one. Yeah, it is. Freak is oh, yeah. the shit. Oh, it's an amazing single. Yeah, absolutely. I think like, Oi, Cemetery I and Abuse Me,
1: man. Yeah. I fucking
4: Cemetery's don't. good, yeah. too. I had that single and then I bought that album like, really yeah. good when it came out. But um, yeah, I never really had the deep connection to Silverchair. And I certainly had didn't like them as they went on and turned away from their heavier kind of start... But this is a oh, fine okay. song, um, yeah. I never really talked up the later stuff, to be honest, like um, uh, Neon
1: Ballroom diorama stuff. Yeah, know?
4: and particularly Straight Lines, I thought was very not much, not my wheelhouse. Young Modern lost Young a modern, lot of. Young
1: Modern lost a lot of people. I, I don't hate that, it.
4: This is the band changing, and there's nothing to disparage them about that. They can do whatever they want. No, oh, exac- um, exactly. Yeah, and this is uh, this is like I can't remove this song from its context of this was written by a bunch of fifteen year olds, and that's cool as shit. the yeah. song itself, I think, is a fine song. I don't have anything particularly for or against it. It's pretty generic middle of the road grunge rock, but it's written by some fifteen year olds, and that makes me like it more because it's cooler for that reason sure but that's about it for me like objectively because like, i haven't had the silver chair attachment to me it just seems like a song i'm like oh yeah i love silver chair i remember them before daniel john's was daniel john's the brand yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Daniel <Like>, Johns trademark. <laughs> yeah, like this, this is a perfectly serviceable song and the fact that it was written by 15 year olds is remarkable and makes me like it more sure.
2: yeah yeah that's it like this is a good rock song with a, a Great big chorus, but I yeah, I've never given much time to Silverchair, I'm just not. I don't care about Silverchair, sorry guys. But yeah, t- for this to have been written by 15 year olds, it was number one in Australia for six weeks, like that's yeah. and it's huge. And this isn't like a 15 year old pop star that's crafted by by record execs or anything like that. This is just a shitty band from ag- high school, and again, like uh, trapping into something incredibly
1: poignant for a yeah. lot of people. Triple J darlings as well. Yeah, of uh, course. They would have to be. Yeah. Yeah. They'd yeah. be
4: foolish for them not to be Triple J darlings. Yeah,
1: but made very much made by the station, uh, yeah. you know, in part.
3: Yeah,
2: 100%. Is, but SBS, it, they didn't... This song uh, won an SBS songwriting competition. That's why...
1: That's yeah. awesome. Oh, was an SBS one. Yeah,
4: yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh,
0: fantastic. And then uh, Greg Wales, I believe, uh, Triple J's Live at the Wireless Sky, re-recorded uh, this song with them. Um, and then, yeah, they kind of exploded beyond that particular point but um yeah this was huge and uh for a while they were the youngest people to ever be in the hottest 100 yeah beaten by the motherfucking volcano mob yeah down river yeah. we will talk about them in 2002 yeah. great track
2: <laughs> it's
3: so it's
0: cool. like how old were sisters underground oh like, s- they were just a bit older like really i yeah. thought they were younger there you go yeah, yeah.
4: yeah. We-, we will have many opportunities to talk about a lot of so age it. game a lot of yeah. age game in this yeah. a lot of old yeah.
0: people a lot of young people yeah as Kyle Sandalitz would say, the top ten is on for young and old.
3: <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh shit. Is that a wallet chain? <laughs> is yep. that spiked up is that spiked up hair with gel? Is someone doing a kickflip? <gasps> you know what time it is. At number four, it's the offspring with come out and
1: play! Get off my lawn. <laughs> <laughs> you gotta keep them separated.
0: goddamn motherfucking offspring (laughs) Uh, with Come Out and Play. Uh, That was a Bad Habit reference, not me shitting on the offspring. (laughs) Obviously, I'm not going to fucking shit on the offspring. I've got two ears and a heartbeat. (laughs) Uh, Other people with two ears and a heartbeat include... Andrew McDonald, citation D- needed. D-
4: <laughs> David, if I could uh, take a lift from your book and get a little personal for a moment here, mate,
0: get get this, as fucking real as the streets. This, I want to uh, get. How <laughs> are you? Oh. Um,
4: this. How does it make you feel? Well, I can't view the song with much of a semblance of objectivity. The Offspring were one of the first bands that I ever remember liking. Second only, probably to the President of the United States of America. Nice. Um, who, who were the first band I ever remember liking? In primary school, it would have been year four or five, so I would have been 10 or 11 years old, I was so, so into The Offspring because I remember remember particularly staying at a friend of mine's place overnight who had an older brother who was probably 16 or 17 years old and he had the Smash record, which this single was taken from. And we played the shit out of it all night and just playing it over and over in loop and being like a little pleb baby that I was, the single stood out to me more than anything. And this in particular, um, that Arabian guitar lick... The keep them separated hook dexter holland has the most impossibly wonderful pop-punk vocal delivery imaginable particularly yeah. his his hey, 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 are so wonderful and it just had me by the heart and i could not i still have such they feel like a guilty pleasure because i'm so into being consciously into experimental music <laughs> but i can't <laughs> forget how much i i can't not smile when i hear this like when i heard this song I was an 11-year-old kid doing something naughty at a friend's party. I, I, I had my first tip of beer that night, and it was horrible. And that's why I've never drunk again. <laughs> um, but that was it for me. I, I thought that I was just the coolest person alive, listening to The Offspring with a 16-year-old dude who was a skater. This song as a nostalgia trigger for me more than almost any other. It's up there with Front Rob's Bucket Bomb, which was when I was actually 15, 16 myself, um, in terms of being absolutely it objectively i think this is a very very good pop punk jam with particularly good vocals and a very good hook and an interesting guitar yeah but that's about as far as i can go objectively because for me this is like how could you not just love this song but if i if i was a jaded person when i heard it i'd be like yeah it's just generic pop punk whatever but i can't oh, i don't think you could though i hope not because i, really I love don't it think so. i love it with fucking who i am i uh, who i am loves this song yeah. so much yeah, I, yeah.
1: Look, I don't think it's nostalgia goggles man and i think you nailed it with a guilty pleasure thing because i don't even have the same attachment to the offspring i mean of course i owned americana when i was younger of course,
4: of course. you did yeah
1: <laughs> <laughs> you made you,
0: you made your selection followed by the power yeah i think. It.
1: Oh. it's Dead. and i think you can't be our age without having some relationship to the offspring you know like maybe it's yeah, an incredibly we, bad one because we some all of the,
0: owned americana right yeah, I
1: yeah. own Eventually, all, yeah. Yeah.
2: yeah.
0: It took me a while, but yeah. Yeah, fuck yeah. Wow.
1: Well, how, what do you mean it, t- it took you a while? Like? I didn't own it, like, early in, on. In 98 8 or 99. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right, okay. Cool, I don't think I got it straight We,
2: away, we talked about this when we talked about Green Day. I did... Conspiracy of One and then yeah. like, oh yeah. so and then 2000- skirt 2000- it into real punk
0: 2001 yeah, yeah, that's right real punk fuck you <laughs> Conspiracy
2: it, of One but, is all but, but yeah like this is pop punk for a reason we've it, talked about the reason pop punk works is because yeah. it's pop before it's punk it's real pop like yeah yeah. it is real pop but. particularly this song like all those hooks Like oh, man. it's not oh. a disparaging term at all it was mm. it was when I used it when I was 15 but it's not anymore
0: no, no.
1: Definitely. and that's why it's a guilty pleasure and that's why I was walking around Central Station on the way here mouthing the words to it and I I was looking at were people- you actually
0: listening to it or were you we just doing those? No, no, no. Just, <laughs> just,
1: just Mouthing <laughs> along to nothing. Wasn't making a big thing of it, but mm-hmm. I was definitely mouthing the words to an Offspring song and looking around at people and going like, you, heard- you think I'm listening to something way cooler than what <laughs> I am. <Yeah. laughs> I'm listening to the Offspring right now. Yeah, but you want to sing along. You want to get involved. It invites you in. Don't you just? Yeah, yeah. It's I want to go skateboarding it, in Cali. Yeah. Oh,
2: yeah. I
4: get it. But
1: that, that feeling as well of doing something bad
2: or whatever and being that guy, like that. that's what that song is tapping into. Yeah. And it's it like, you know, he he's writing it about being picked on by other people and it's like, yeah, whatever. Yeah, yeah. Like, like, gang violence,
1: like, uh, yeah. the, I mean, like, come out and play. That's a, the Warriors reference. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You know? Yeah. But Which just, I wouldn't
2: me, like, whatever, like man. <laughs> like. Whatever, I don't care. I'm too cool for that, even though, you know, I'm not the cool person in this this trade or whatever. I love that the last song we talked about was a 15-year-old sounding like a 30-year-old and this song is the other way around. (laughs) 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 Totally.
0: Do you guys know the story behind the Keep Them Separated?
1: I have heard this, yeah. Uh,
0: So... (laughs) When Dexter Holland isn't a punk star, he is a scientist. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I did that, actually. And uh, I believe he was working with uh, some certain chemicals, and uh, he had to remember to keep them separated. (laughs) Otherwise, they kept heating each other up. Yeah.
1: Uh, so and so then he came yeah. up with a hook while he was yeah. he's like "What? why are these keeping, uh, like heating up oh I have to keep them separated that's the way he turns and it then
3: it turned. Hey. It, then it turned hey.
1: Hey, hey wait a minute that's another that's another hook too I could
0: use that like nailing yeah. it So writes itself <laughs> More hooks than a motherfucking bait shop this dude has Dexter Holland is an evil genius that's what he is that's what he is so is Noodles so is Greg K dude even Ron Welty has his fucking moments here like hitting the rim of the snare and and the not the symbol itself, but the stand. So the
1: that's it's really really iconic. That yeah. that, that yeah. intro like yeah. That's, so that's the rim it. of this, it's become it's really the it's the rim of the
0: snare and the the symbol stand the crash symbol stand. He's playing that instead of the crash and the and the snare itself. And then when it hits that fucking, that double snare hit into the main bit, like, it's fucking perfect. Like, mm. everyone has their moment to shine on this song. Like, Smash is an amazing album. I, up to and including Conspiracy of One, I am... All for The Offspring. Their self-titled record, Ixnay, Smash, Americana, like, I love all of these records. Everything they've put out since uh, has been
4: dog shit. I actually have a little bit of time up to and including Rose and Fall, Raging Grace.
0: Really? Yeah. I didn't. This, like this is how
4: deep my nostalgia oh, goes for the offspring. <laughs> like, I think that has some alright <laughs> tracks on it.
0: Oh, You're Gonna Go Far Kid is okay. But like, Christy Are You Doing Okay is potentially the worst song they ever wrote. Uh, as
4: if it's not anything nearly as bad as on that follow-up album. Oh,
0: California cruising. California Cruisin'. Cruisin', oh, that's- oh my... Oh, yeah. Yeah, you know, yeah, you know yeah, what's that's, super funny oh. about that was like everyone saw that video and was just like, oh my god, The Offspring have sold out so fucking hard. This is hilarious. But then I realised, oh fuck, we're the generation that got into them on Americana where all the old school Offspring fans were like, oh my god, fucking Offspring just sold out so fucking bad.
4: Well, since Americana, they've always had a single that doesn't sound like the rest of the album.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fucking original Prankster, hit that, shit like that. Yeah, and Pretty
4: Pretty Fly is the one. Sure, yeah, 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 yeah. Which is a
0: song that we will indeed get to talk about when the time is right. It was a bit of a deal. Yeah but uh, we're in uh, dreadlock Dexter territory yeah. now. Mm. Not spiky hair gel Dexter. Noodles didn't change. Noodles has no, never changed. Never and never. Greg K has not aged since 1994. <laughs> so, <laughs> since, oh fuck! Not even since 1984. He, he's looked the exact same huh. the entire
2: time, he's which is had- lucky because they were all like they were getting on already at this point where yeah. they broke
4: yeah. through. Like they're well, all thirty-ish. Well, I think Noodles was like thirty when he started the band with yeah, the rest of them right. when they were twenty. Like he was, yeah, a, he's, he's, he's about forty now, at this yeah. point. Yeah. yeah, Uncle
1: Noodles, yeah. Uncle Noodles. Yeah, well,
4: that's like um, related in terms of Californian punk to a certain degree is East Bay Ray of the Kennedy's fame which oh, is yeah, much legit. older than the rest of the band yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah but yeah like I fucking love this song even if you take the nostalgia goggles off it's still fucking jams
1: I agree with that I don't think you need the nostalgia goggles to sustain this I also think the same thing about Tomorrow and certainly the nostalgia goggles don't hurt none no <laughs> <laughs> but I think they're both elegantly crafted beautiful pop punk songs and I wonder if there's any more of those in this top 10
0: well uh, unfortunately not this is uh, the only time that we get to talk about the Oh wait a second oh <laughs> So uh there was a clerical error. Uh, I thought there was no more offspring and I was wrong And number three it's the offspring with <laughs> self-esteem <laughs> The Offspring at number three in the 1994 Hottest 100 the second back to back feature last time of course being our frenemies, The Counting Crows (laughs) Uh, uh, this is an interesting one Uh, like it's more interesting than the last one? Uh,
3: like it's very different. Well, yeah, mm. it's a
0: very different is style it? of offspring. Oh, Both yeah. have the big anthemic choruses, but this is slowing it down a bit, and it's a lot. It's a lot more serious. Like less hooks. Yeah, way bigger, crunchier. Mm. There are less hooks, but the hooks that are there, they put. Everything into oh yeah yeah. Like, I don't know whether
1: those are meaningful differences in terms of the composition of the song. I
0: think
2: though. this is a lot more punk rock than pop. Yeah punk. yeah 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 mm. yeah. No, I can see that. What makes like, you say even that?
0: even with the, the wordless chorus, there's still like a lot of darkness and a lot of aggression
2: in this song.
1: I find like um, I find it so weird. You say there's less hooks because to me, like everything in this song is a hook. There, was, yeah, there were yeah, but it's hooks not so the boom, last song. Boom,
2: psh, t- like there's none of that. There's like there's no got to keep them separated. Yeah, no, no, yeah, yeah. No, no. This is it's, it's not, this, not this isn't a this isn't a hook every
0: seven seconds yeah. uh, song. See. I'm not saying it's not catchy. Yeah,
2: yeah, sure, okay. Don't
0: put, yeah. don't put that on me. No, no, point, no, no. I'm not saying <laughs> Once again, not it. Once again, the ageless Greg K gets his moment here with the Offspring line If anyone is gonna remember an Offspring line it's this. It's because it's a, cause it's it a magic
4: Because It's a behemoth. It's fucking
0: amazing. Yeah, it succeeds. Yeah, and it just comes in at the exact right and like Ron Welty just fucking cruises through the whole thing and then occasionally accents it when, interestingly enough, like the, the rhythm section in this respect is Ron and Noodles. They work together.
4: like Yeah, they uh, really do. Yeah. And they don't do it often either. It, this isn't like, as The Offspring always heard, the r- guitars, the rhythm. but this yeah, is yeah, quite yeah, yeah, rare. yeah, yeah, yeah. The lyrics are obviously dumb and cheesy, but they're shooting for dumb and cheesy. Mm. Yeah. Like, maybe dumb, I'm not a dweeb. It was obviously a terrible lyric, but it works in the context of the song because someone who's this like totally whipped friend fedora wearing friend fedora wearing neckbeard <laughs> yeah. it would say things like that this uh, pre- well, pre- pre- predates the trove the fedora
0: neckbeard would never find themselves in this situation
4: like meaningless
0: like- casual sex yeah. like they wouldn't, oh, get, yeah, they wouldn't have anything to begin with yeah it's true
4: <laughs> but like I don't have the connection with this song that I do with Come out and play. I actually, when I first heard it, I I wasn't that enamored with it. When I was listening to the album, I was like, oh, the slow song." Thing. Oh, oh right. yeah, Being yeah, a pleb baby, pleb baby, baby, if you will. <laughs> pleb um, Yeah, I wasn't as an enamored with it. <laughs> but now, obviously, I've come to love it. Obviously, yeah, and fuck yeah. like it's a great sing along. You can't help but get into the la la la's and the world's chorus. Like it's so obviously. Like when they played it live, when I saw them, I was obviously just getting oh, out. Oh, man, yeah. You would. I was getting out, not them? dweeping out. Um, <laughs> at Soundwave 0... 08. Yeah. Yeah, I was there. Oh, yeah, it was yeah. fucking sick. The same year that um, Incubus, Incubus played. Incubus And yeah.
0: Motion City and Alexis. Yeah, that was a fucking good year, actually.
4: Yeah, Massive Indulgence.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's right. Shit. It was fucking cool to see them after all that. It's like 10 years after Americana. Yeah. You know, like finally. And, and, it,
4: and it was a great set. They yeah, played they played tr- really that, fucking yeah.
0: well. Nathan,
2: what's uh, what's your relationship with with this song? This is great. This yeah. is great. I, I really stand by what I said though about I think this is more punk rock than pop rock. I think this song is casting an arm or, or whatever. Back into a lot of 80s punk. In the film clip, he wears a Germs t-shirt. He wears a Vandals t-shirt. Yeah, he's wearing his punk shirts.
4: It's cool. Yeah,
2: but it's like significantly, it's not other 90s stuff. It's not Bad Religion, NoFX, Green Day. He's wearing 80s bands t-shirts. And Mm. I think this song is a big throwback to a lot of that stuff and like Descendants and a lot of proto-pop punk from yeah, the 80s and yeah. that, that sort of stuff. It's so big. I love the story as well of... So, Brett Gurewitz, who is uh, the guitarist from Bad Religion. Yeah. Who owns, and owns owner producer well. yeah. He owns yeah. Epitaph, uh, which this album, Smash, came out on. Yes. Uh, and this, obviously, was huge. And he tells this story of, like, driving home from the studio with, like, the demo version of the CD in there and he just drove around the block for, like, two hours listening to it and then came home and was, like, nearly in tears telling his wife, there's, like, they, you know, they've done it. They've made something so incredible. Epitaph oh. is going to be, like, oh, a Brett. proper label.
4: Oh, Brett, I love you. Yeah. That's
2: great. And it's great. And it's then, like, like, as soon as it came out, like, nothing but big labels coming onto him and being like you can't handle this this is too big for you you should sell half your company to us Whoa. you should let us take the album he's like no no I'm gonna do it and he did it and, you know like oh good on him he, he, yeah, he left
4: bad religion over He left. Yeah, yeah he left
2: bad religion at that point as well he's like I need to focus on this also he was like I think um, Stranger Than Fiction is the best bad religion album we're gonna do which is you know a laughable claim but that's, <laughs> oh. that's Brett for you um, but yeah like this is this is such a big moment you know we talked already about Green Day and the explosion of pop punk in 1994 but Smash, you know, is arguably a bigger deal than Green Day this year. Look at uh, look yeah, at their placement yeah. in the countdown. That yeah, backs that yeah. up. But like, yeah, it's huge, and and the, the it ignited Epitaph Records as well, which then went on to do so much punk stuff in the '90s and 2000s.
4: Yeah, one of the most important punk record labels in history, I would say. Yeah, yeah. this
2: was the highest selling independent album at the time.
4: Yes,
1: it held that for quite a while. I yeah, mm. fucking amazing. All this stuff I didn't know, and you wouldn't guess. You know? Because they got low self esteem. Well, yeah, yeah, exactly. They're just suckers. They shouldn't. They did really yeah. well.
2: Yeah. <laughs> But you're not a toy about him. No,
1: really? I love this track. I, I, everything is so bright and so colorful. I think it demonstrates that these guys can write incredible melodies across the board. The drumming uh, hasn't been mentioned yet, but it's really good. Mm. It's it's it, it the whole thing with this really great bounciness. Even yeah, though it's a wealthy, slower yeah. song. It's just mm. you just you just bounce with it. It's really like, really um, great.
0: We talked about um, Bill Berry uh, leaving REM as like one of the like uh, schism points of when REM like made like records that nobody cared about, but still. Had their moments when, when Ron, Ron left the offspring. when Ron left the Offspring, like that was a big deal for me because like he was one of the reasons I wanted to play drums. Yeah, he was replaced very affably by um the excellent Adam Willard, who played in Rocket from the Crypt and now currently plays in Against Me. Who but, was a great drummer. Yeah, he's a fucking great drummer. Don't get me wrong, but uh, there was just something about Ron as a drummer that I fucking loved and I I miss dearly. Um, their current drummer is a guy called Pete Parada, who used to play in the band Saves the Day. Oh. Very cool pop-punk band from the late 90s, early 2000s. But, yeah, I don't particularly care for them anymore. If you've heard their latest single, then you would know why. It's a song called Coming For You, and it is dog shit.
4: All the pop-punk bands of the day are like, it's all... It was a moment in time. There's a reason yeah, that... Like, there's yeah. a reason that modern Grenadines sound like old grenade. There's a yeah. reason that modern Blink-182, if they end up recording material... <laughs> In this weird new format Yeah like Blink 182 got
0: divorced Fucking yeah. Green Day's in rehab Yeah Like Offspring sound like a... the,
4: uh, the uncool dad at the barbecue Yeah exactly and
0: Offspring sound like a fucking Shitty fucking uh, Like sports montage soundtrack Like it's What happened to my punk this, rock man But this
4: moment in time This was it Yeah I, yeah, I have fucking all a, the time dude. in the world For 90's Offspring uh, yeah.
0: Alright Speed round Come out and play Or Self Esteem
4: Come out and play Yeah come out and play Self Esteem Fair enough Yourself Oh, I might have to come out and play, but
0: I think it's important that we. I give, mean, both.
2: Give, I yeah, I think absolutely it both. is. It
0: is important that contextually we keep them separated. <laughs> <laughs> At number two from the album "The Downward Spiral," this is Nine Inch Nails with Kusa.
3: You let me violate you You let me desecrate you You let me penetrate you You let me complicate you
0: 24, Hottest 100 with a song called Closer. Adam, you fucked people like animals. Mm. Some. Some. <laughs> Let's start broad and then move in specifically, okay? What is your relationship with Nine Inch Nails? Actually,
1: like- you know what? I, I've j- I only just remembered this now, but I know exactly how I first got into Nine Inch Nails. I was at a party, mm. right? I was in high school and you know, I was I was into a lot of metal at that point and a lot of a lot of rock, a lot of metal. It was all I was listening to, or whatever. I was a I was a teenager with a guitar. And I got talking to someone's uncle at this party or whatever, like an old an older dude Always or whatever. A good and he, start. Man, but he was so impressed at the bands that I was saying that I was listening to. Like he loved the fact that I loved Metallica. And he offhandedly at at some point just went, Man, you should listen to Nine Inch Nails. you you I think you'd really enjoy nine inch nails. And so I began to listen to the big Nine Inch Nails tracks and get into them and I got into them in high school hard. There was a period where I was listening to a lot of Nine Inch Nails and it was a seriously big thing but this song to be honest I think stands apart or can at least stand apart from Nine Inch Nails as a band. It is definitely a Nine Inch Nails song. It contains so much Nine Inch Nails in there and so much Resner, but I firmly believe that there are a lot of a lot of people who love this song who don't necessarily love Nine Inch Nails. Absolutely. And oh my fucking God, this song. Like, I I cannot say that enough. This, to me, is an absolute monolith of, of a song. It's become iconic in seconds because of that beat. To me, it's up there with, like, Idiotech by Radiohead in terms of just a bass and a snare what you can do in terms of communicating a song just in those few things. like Which is that, ironic because it's a sample. But, I mean, like, if you listen to the original, which is a, an Iggy Pop tune... Yeah, Nightclub. Sampling's what Reznor does. Yeah, like, true, it's, it's, yeah. But he does it in such a way. Like, I have to say, the Downward Spiral, which this song famously comes from, is one of the most immaculately produced albums of the, not only of the 90s, I would say, but that I've listened to. If you want to just listen to sonic choices if you want to just mm. listen to a busy involved detailed album yeah. for its production there is so many amazing amazing choices and so much work that has been put into the production and I think it's important not only to flag Resna as being part of that but also Flood yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Who did a lot of other work with U two, mm. uh, a couple of other albums here and there. Uh, the Cure, yeah. He, he, he exactly. cut his he's cut his teeth on the Cure, but this is like the finest work I think from both Reznor and Flood on this record. The downward spiral is incredible, and I could talk endlessly about how incredible that album is, and maybe I will. But starting with just this song, yeah, it's so dark, it's so violent, so unapologetically in your face, and sexual and sexy. All of that is is the obvious stuff, but the way that it almost has that kind of uh, do what pop kind of thing going on that's subverted and, and made darker as well. The, f- the way that it, it ends as a song and then turns into this massive instrumental thing at the end and all the different choices and all the little sections that come in there, the way it keeps going, the piano notes at the end being yeah. so haunting. Every time I come back to this song, I get into it, in a way that I don't didn't think I would, as if I was hearing it for the first time and being impressed by it for the first time. I still remember the first time that I actually did hear this song and how mind blowing it was because it's so in your face, it's so full on, and it still has that effect. It hasn't waned for me. It's not as cutting edge, and it's not as like uh, it's not as edgy. But I think it still succeeds and succeeds and succeeds as a song so incredibly well. It's 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 got hooks. It's got atmosphere. I really really like this song. He's a great. I really like this song. He's yeah. a nice. great
4: soundscape craftsman. Yeah, he Reznor. really is. He knows exactly what he's doing. But I think 90s Nails, for me. They've really crafted a career at hinting at greatness that they're capable of, but never quite achieving it. I think. Whoa. I I, I, I love 90s Don't get me wrong. I'm a weird cliche gothic idiot of course like Nine <laughs> Nails apart from Downward Spiral which I think is their best record many people say that's the best record yeah, I um, would I definitely would they keep from like their early stuff when they're like kind of like pop industrialism to like gothic electro grandeur and then just hard edged rock as they went on even that, that instrumental Four disc record Ghosts, Ghosts? yeah, surprisingly indulgent. Spooky. Over four discs, um, <laughs> yeah. everything they did, I always keep thinking like it, it's a real case of like man, that almost hits it, it's, it's almost incredible. Apart from the Downward Spiral, which just is incredible, yeah. Okay. Um, close I think it's a bit of a lucky hit, it doesn't it? doesn't sound like the rest of the record to yeah. me, yeah. Like the, the slowness of it, the sparseness of it, compared to like my favorite songs from the record, things like March of Pigs, obviously, it's great, Ruiner, yeah, self yes. destruct, um, Piggy piggy um yeah they are far more comp not complex because this is very complexly organized but like, it's big when it gets big but like the beat is so sparse and the vocals just coming in like when you say it, it could be a non-19 snails like 19 snails but it can exist outside of the context of Snails." nails. Yeah. I think that's the thing. I, I think it's a very 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 good song. Like it's just not, it fits not my favorite perfectly song perfectly within
1: uh, the downward spiral as well. Of Being, course, being yeah. a, a very it's concept position. heavy
4: Yeah, it's very conceptual
1: album yeah. and just the kind of things that it talks about and that and that darkness and that that need and also, like, so much about the narrative of just being, like, you know, help me. Like, yeah, but also self, you know, like like self-loathing. Absolute yeah. 100% self-loathing, yeah. which is the, all um, all over that album. Yeah.
4: He said that when producing this, he wanted to have guitars and synthesizers not sound like guitars or synthesizers. And I think that comes through incredibly in this song after the, I want to fuck you like an animal, that sample thing there. It's like, what the hell is that? It's almost a guitar, but it fully isn't. And it's so... So good, and it's so like yeah. it's. It it's like it's when you've said sexy, it's sexy, but it's more that I think it's it, it's sexual. Yes, like, it's not like it's, it's, both. it's, it's not an enticing. It's like, fucking bestial yeah. Because because the difference yeah, is it's like bestial
1: Yeah, because the difference is you have like Marvin Gaye or whatever, who's a which lo- is sexy. It's it's hidden though. It's like it's a strip tease as opposed to pornography. Yeah, this is porn. Yeah, you know what yeah, I mean. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah, it's just it's there. Not, it's not burlesque. No, it's, it's not burlesque. It's fucking. Yeah. It's just it's flesh. Yeah.
0: 100%. Um, which but- I'm into. <laughs> Before... <laughs>
1: there you go. i to play my to hands too broadly. <laughs> yeah. in, in this song, in this song, what are you, what are you talking about?
0: Before I get into uh, my closer and in Nine Inch Nail stuff, I just wanted to bring up another note of production uh, from the Downward Spiral, which I'm not sure if you know. Uh, there was another uh, special guest that was uh, mentioned in the album credits, and that's Tommy Lee. Uh, from Motley Crue. Uh, uh. Yeah, so, Nine Inch Nails were in the studio recording Downward Spiral and Motley Crue were next door recording their self-titled album, their one album without Vince Neil. Weird time, weird time for Motley Crue. Ah, uh, yes. Tommy Lee. <laughs> <laughs> of course it was. Trent Reznor mm-hmm. was hanging out and then Tommy Lee came in to see what was happening and checked out the songs and he was hanging out with some ladies and those ladies were porn stars. Because it's Tommy it's Lee. Molly it's Molly Crew. It's uh, Crew, yeah. Yep. In the song Big Man with a Gun, if you can hear a moaning and a groaning in the background, no. that is a porn star fingering herself to ecstasy that they got on record that Tommy Lee brought in. I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. so yeah. Tommy Lee is thanked on the in the album credits of The Downward Spiral for the... Uh, is the, the porn girl? girl?
2: Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just as well. They weirdly like Nine Inch Nails in this song particularly. In um, yeah, Motley Crue? Yeah, yeah. Uh, not th- another one, not Tommy Lee. I read an interview of him talking just about how great it was. And I just, I can't, I mean, to fully disparage Motley Crue as much as anyone can. <laughs> I, I think that they are not reading into it. Anything past the surface level of this song is about sex. And so we like it, but... Yeah, you Motley know. Crew once literally wrote
0: a song called "Sex." Like, they, yeah, uh,
2: yeah, they're not interested in me liking them. <laughs> weirdly, <laughs>
0: well, but they totally should be. Though. Crack the Nathan mark. <laughs> yeah. I, I think You're I just get frustrated. There just scratching their heads, looking at all the charts and graphs, like, and shit. It's just to like, "How do we tip? We've a tried everything. Being <laughs> how do we crass? <laughs>
2: The d- Nothing's the, working.
4: The, Being pressed, uh, the drug stuff.
0: <laughs> Amazingly, this is working wonders on the DJ wine market, which is weird because he doesn't drink <laughs> or smoke, but he fucking loves Motley Crue.
2: <laughs> <This> I- charts. <laughs> <laughs> Motley Crue ch- struggling with charts.
4: <laughs> what do these symbols mean? That's a fucking excellent name for a song. <laughs> Motley Crue struggling with charts. <laughs> 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 fucking Nikki Six has it yeah.
0: upside down. <laughs> Question mark. Profits! <laughs>
1: <laughs> I think that's an unavoidable part of Nine Inch Nails. Uh, un- and I say unfortunately because I think there's a lot going on despite the whole too edgy for you stuff. And, uh, you know, the bunch of people who did vote it in simply because it has the chorus that it has. Mm. I think the chorus as it is, is is great, but for reasons other than the fact that it blatantly says, I want to fuck you like an animal. Yeah, like, yeah. That is part of a greater artistic thing. But I, I, I yeah. can firmly believe that. There are a a percentage I don't know How large or small That voted in Definitely too much for you
2: Yeah And that's a big reason That's a big part of why I don't like Say it man Well yeah I'm I'm not huge for this song (laughs) And I've never gotten into Nine Inch Nails Sure That actually doesn't surprise me I've found it hard to penetrate People telling me Why I should like Nine Inch (laughs) Nails in a really egregious way. Yeah.
0: I don't really get into, like, people telling me why I should like an act. If I do like an act, I do like an act. Yeah, and yeah. I, like- but,
2: uh, like, I didn't listen to them as a teenager because I, like, kind of wasn't interested in the people that were listening to them. I wasn't interested in them. And then it got to a point where I was, like, actually, like, I and I've, I've listened to them or whatever. And, like, sure. I think production-wise, yeah, I yeah. I find it hard to believe Trent. I think there's a bit, really? too, a bit too much artifice... Hmm. And, and a lot of it is me putting that on it because of the conversations that happen around Nine Inch Nails. Mm. But I can't connect to it.
1: I can un- Look, um, I can understand that point of view perfectly. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, can- like I exactly I, what you're saying. You
2: know, like when you say it's it's an in- exquisitely crafted song, I'm, I'm with you because it cool. is. It, like, I can't fault his production choices at all. I, I think this is a masterwork of a song. But I, I just can't connect to it. I, I, what I need to do is just like actually make a point of trying to listen to Nine Inch Nails... Without all external, the context yeah. that I built around it, yeah, uh, but that's very difficult, and and it's gotten to a point where I I don't care enough, like, yeah. or maybe
1: even can't, yeah, yeah. yeah,
2: like, but it's it's just like at at this point, if I start liking Nine Inch Nails, that's not going to change anything. You spent, it's too late too in terms deep, of the yeah. podcast. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we've already <laughs> talked about this song now, so what's the point? Yeah, yeah exactly.
0: Nine Inch Nails are uh, a band that, I, like I said, I discovered uh, when I was very young. Uh, I was very scared of them, and I had no idea what the fuck was going on. But when I came back to them a bit later, when they put out an album called With Teeth about 10 uh, years ago, yeah, uh, that's where I come back into the picture. Huh. From there, I've been huge on, on Nine Inch Nails. Uh, Andrew and I saw them live last year as part of the... Uh, the world famous Quatsunin tour.
1: I saw that too, which mm. was
0: fucking awesome. Yeah, it was yeah you was really. Were there.
1: That was the business. Yeah, I was, it was there. Fucking awesome. It was. It like was really, a really good night. Like, yeah. Oh, except I had one of the worst experiences with the guy standing next to me that I have ever had. Oh, man. He was just a, He was just a dick. Concerts. Why do other people? He go? was just a dick. Oh my god. It
0: well, was... what was he doing? Was he being racist? Was he um, talking? What was he getting
1: Joking sushi? He was standing. Was he pissing on the floor. I've no, seen he that was. Happen. Well, I mean, he was standing there and he was like, you know how like people naturally want to move to the front or whatever, and you slide past other people. You you weave your way through the crowd. He was deliberately blocking other people from moving around because it's like, no, why should you be further ahead of me and whatever? And at one point, I got really excited because Queens of the Stone Age were introducing their lineup and I didn't realise that my favourite drummer of all time, uh, Mr... Chris, could Al- you didn't recognise him? No, I did. Um... I was excited that John Theodore was there, and so like I, you know, gave him a big cheer because that's not you know, like that's not like cheering at the end of the song, like yeah, yeah. you know. I, so I gave it a little bit of something extra. He was standing next to me, and he just he got mad that I cheered too loud at a rock show. So he tore the earbuds that I was wearing because it was a loud fucking show. Oh, I you he tore knows. them out of my ears and threw them on the ground. What well, a scumbag, a scumbag he's, su- he's a fuckwit man I hate that Nine Inch that Nails
2: fans man And like a Mr. Employee Once told me You're only as good As your fans <laughs> It could, think... could have been
4: A Quatsa fan <laughs> yeah, I'm yeah. happy to assume
2: <laughs> Yeah
1: sure <That's
4: sighs> fuck yeah, I was
1: f- I'm sorry I, I was triggered that mad. dude Oh, It gets It's good actually It's triggered. good that I remember that Because it gets it, me mad it, Thinking you know, about it And really I need that yeah. I need memories That get me mad For acting purposes.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That can be a trigger for me. It is a a trigger for me. If I were to crawl into the mind of of Trent Reznor to continue, I I imagine yeah, it would be a weird, yucky place. But uh, I imagine him having a really weird relationship with this song because it's the closest thing, (laughs) uh, pun intended, that he's ever had to a big hit single. And he never plays it. It's his pop song. And the hook is about bestial sex. It's samples Ziggy Pop. It's this big, clunking, creepy massive a song. And it was a big pop hit. It doesn't make sense. Do you think it's one of those things where he just like got to the point where they were just like people were only coming for one song or whatever? That's the like, I think it is. Like when Radiohead st- when number two of last year, Radiohead <gasps> Creep. Uh, yeah, do you reckon, yeah, do you reckon yeah, this I- is his creep? Yeah, that makes sense. It's yeah, I, think it's,
2: I think it is part of it. It's just a point where you don't want to you don't want casual the- fans yeah yeah you don't. Um, you don't want
1: people who know you for one song you just don't
2: yeah and you just wouldn't be interested in playing that you know the song that is defining all that so you do other stuff uh so i don't think we get to talk about
0: trent and the boys uh for about five years at least yeah um, they've released
4: the album sporadically yeah
0: very <laughs> sporadically does everyone have a favorite Nails song
2: no
4: you don't, <laughs> like at all. <laughs> I'm not interested in Nine Inch. I don't, Probably much of the pigs. It's
1: nice. It's this. Honestly, dude, this is like when people are saying like name a great song out of all the songs. I will. Think? I would pick this. Yeah, I honestly think this is a one of the best songs. Nice. Out of the songs. Out of the songs. I really, I really like this song. First I don't know whether I've made that. As clear no, as I can Like I, clear. You're ambivalent about the song <laughs> Not <Yeah>. at all
0: <laughs> In no way and y- In no y- way Yourself? Uh, Hurt Of course I think it's an amazing song Piggy as well Which you know Kind of builds up Into a big cacophony uh, But also a song From With Teeth The opening song From that record All the Love in the all World All the Love in the World It's really Great. beautiful Where, Great song which is a beautiful It is a really beautiful and song And also has uh, A breakdown Which reminds me a lot Of everything in it's right place With the thudding Yes the uh, Bass drum And is the is percussion yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah Very good call So yeah I really like that Nathan if you're generally not a Northern Nails fan, and I, I'm not. Be- yeah, <laughs> I would actually be interested to see what you thought of with Teeth as a record because it yeah, is a cool. bit of a departure from the previous stuff. Oh, and the Ghosts record, like it's or any uh, of the soundtrack. Oh, yeah, 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 he did um the or Social or Network. It. Oh, yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah. Like
2: I, I again, like I, I think he's a very talented producer. I don't. Dislike his music. I've just never been interested in the band. I, I should just sit down and listen to like this and with teeth and yeah. whatever. Like, yeah. All
0: right. Well, that's but, homework. You, you can know, do your homework on the bus. School's and- out. <laughs> yeah. yeah.
2: School holidays, mate.
0: Friends, this is it. 99 songs. We have talked about 99 We're finished. goddamn songs. <laughs> uh, it's, it's been thanks, great. I- thanks for coming, everyone. Actually, actually, um, it's... They actually changed it. It's not the hottest
2: 99 anymore. So they changed it this year? Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: It's... It's, uh, <laughs> it's actually the hottest 100. Um, so there is... So we have one more oh, to talk about, is, huh? There's, so there's, we've got
2: to talk about song number 100, right? Is that
0: how... Uh, we've actually already done that. Um, oh, oh. What, yeah, was, what was that song? Uh, number 100, it was Stay by Lisa Loeb, mm. which is a fucking
4: great song. Oh, we've we come one. a
0: long ways. Right, man, that seems like
1: an age
0: ago. Re- yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, the number one song of 1994 was Zombie by The Crane Cranberries at number one in the 1994 Hottest 100 with Zombie. I'm just
2: gonna throw in a polite golf clap. Yeah,
4: yeah you know, polite like, golf
2: clap. Only you know, it's it's a small handful of artists that have that have reached that. So yeah, yeah, yeah.
4: that's good. Good first
0: female-fronted act. Yeah. Uh, as well which is kind of cool I mean it's the second
2: act
4: I guess it will be the end of the 50-50 gender split in uh, yeah. number ones. <laughs> yeah
0: true Nathan yep. we're going to talk about yep. this okay so I remember this vividly talking in, about Linger we talked about Linger yeah. and we talked about how there would be more Cranberries to come eventually we are here and you forewarned that Linger is the cranberry song that you like this is true so, so, we are at the Cranberry song <laughs> that Nathan does like. not like. Yeah. So, where's the cranny, Granny?
2: Uh, I, I feel like I probably shouldn't have started this one. I don't like this song very much. <laughs> not unlike with Closer, I worry that a large part of it is just what the song has become for other people. Right. And me not buying into that. But this song, I don't know. I don't. I don't like it being number one here. No. This is, you know. Why not? Oh, it, all right. Cool. So, like, you know, the in terms of it being a rock song, it's fine. The guitar tone is, you know, it's big. It's doing what it's trying to do. I think, like, you know, tick or whatever. But the vocal delivery, it like, it's catchy to the point that it's annoying. It just feels cheap in its like delivery. I'm I'm not into it. I feel like you could almost take a big part of last year in the top 10 when we talked about uh, Rage Against the Machine and the value of writing political stuff in a pop song and how people take that and whether like anything is achieved at all. You can kind of do that here. Mm. Like, they got some negative uh, press for, like, trivializing the, the 1916 mm. events, the, the bombings and stuff like that. And, you know, like... I, I definitely I, don't think that was their intention. No, it's not their intention at all. But it's just that it come back, comes back to that thing of... I think what, it's
1: a weird... I, I read that criticism as well, and I think it's a weird one.
2: Yeah, but it yeah. just comes back to that thing when you include stuff like that in a pop song. Sometimes it feels kind of tokenistic, or you're just jumping on a thing. It, this isn't a terrible song. It annoys me. I think the um on the
4: on the political thing. I I think it's stripped of its roots in protest music because of a, its chorus, and b, its positioning in pop culture, and that's the thing. It's difficult to look at these songs, particularly this, because it's so it's too ubiquitous to imagine. It's it's always. I feel like this has always been. I think that. The grunge aesthetic feels forced for the cranberries compared to a Lingo or my favorite *Dreams*. Yeah, my understanding
2: nice.
1: is
4: that the rest of the album isn't like this at all.
1: Right? right. No, 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 nothing else they've done is like this. Yeah. I mean, yeah. And they were criticised for that as well. Mm. I think
4: that right. That's good to know. I do think that it feels forced. Sure, I, I don't think that it feels like a natural fit. For for their sound for what they're trying to do, honestly, the zombie air air, air in the chorus I don't enjoy it at all. All but. right,
1: all right. When I listened to this for this podcast, mm. you know, I could obviously heard this song a million times. When yeah. I listened to it for this podcast, and I really gave it the closest listen that I have ever, I found like a, a heap more emotion in there than I than I originally would have, and a heaps more a heaps more feeling, and heaps more kind of aggression. Like it's powerful to hear someone growl zombie in the way. That they do. Like, if you allow yourself to go with it, it's quite affecting. But I think this song, and I'm going to coin a syndrome here. You know how we have... Uh, I don't know, Guys, have you ever heard of um, Court of the Crimson King syndrome?
3: Yes. Whereas, yeah,
1: you only like one song from
0: an album? You Specifically, you know, the, the, the first
4: song. The lead song
1: of the yeah. album sets yeah. the album up to be great. You know this isn't the, the
0: first song on...
1: Uh, no, No, I know that, but... Court of the Crimson King Syndrome is valuable Because uh, now I can just say to you guys Who are aware of Court of the Crimson King Syndrome Oh yeah, it suffers from mm. Crimson King Syndrome You're like, ah, oh, you know exactly uh, what right. that means The like,
2: track is better than the rest of it and sets it up You just want to listen fairly. to track
1: yep. one again and again and again And not the rest of the album, even if the rest of the album's okay This suffers from what I'm going to coin What's Up Syndrome Which, mm-hmm. and other, other sufferers who we've encountered Of What's Up Syndrome is of course uh, You're talking with- Four Non Blondes Yes yeah. I am, yeah. yep. yep, What's Up by Four Non Blondes And whatever uh, no, other sufferers um, also include Everybody Hurts, for example. And this is like where you feel it so much and you push that feeling so hard in your song that you end up mimetically turning it into something else or it mimetically gets taken as something else. It memes itself by feeling as much as it does.
0: Okay. That's, I'm that's... not following.
1: Okay, so like Everybody Hurts is incredibly heartfelt but it's so heartfelt it kind of pushes it into a level where yeah. it stops being sad and starts being kind of a little funny when when dwight
2: sings it in the office it's a bit of a joke that he's singing that song because it's so heartfelt cuz
1: it's incredibly heartfelt you know what i mean and even like when i listen to it it's kind of go like oh man like you know like that's if you don't allow yourself to go from it and you take a one step back it becomes it put it gets pushed too far it's and you be- become Desensitized to the point where it's funny.
4: Yeah, it's because that we grew up in the era of irony and postmodernism... ...where genuine sincerity is difficult to process, I think. Yeah, okay. Particularly
1: in Australia, I yeah. think that's a,
2: it's a
4: very big thing.
1: Maybe it's a unique feeling to me, and I'm happily No, open I, I, to I know it. what you're talking
4: about. I know yeah. the exact feeling. Yeah,
1: so wh- and to me, like, that, yeah. What's Up has it, Everybody Hurts has it... ...and to me, this has it as well. Like, and y- what you end up getting from the song is trying to sing along in that incredibly iconic way or, or, or uh, unique way that the, that the chorus does, but you don't connect to what's behind it. Mm. It becomes it becomes simply, you know, going, eh, 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 and not finding what it is that makes someone make such a animalistic noise, really. And that's what I think it is. It's, just, it's grief and anger and whatever that pushes, in terms of what the song's writing, that pushes the emotion to that level, but we don't get that. Yeah. It it's, becomes it's hard, it becomes a joke.
2: It's hard to get, even if you're looking in the song. It's hard to get much more than 1916 bombings in Ireland. And also, in but also terms the, of what are we sad about?
1: It was also it was inspired by events that happened in '93, where uh, the IRA were responsible for two deaths. Yeah, that's yeah. why they that's why they wrote it. And they were yeah. like, it's the same shit that's been going on since 1916, yo. And that's the thing, like, it's so Irish. Yeah. you know what I mean? Like, the, I think the thing about it is it's an Irish band writing about something that's really important to Ireland, but. It's Irish in the world.
2: way that Sunday Bloody Sunday was. Irish. Yeah,
1: yeah, I think. It's but good but good that's.
2: I, but I mean, if if you like talking about both of those songs together is, I think, a good idea because they're both yeah. like pop songs that did very well outside of like that really specific context, and also because you hate you too. I, think well, I Sun- love Sunday Bloody Sunday. That's a great song. Yeah, me like too, easily actually. one of their best. But I think. It, I don't know. I, I want to say it feels clearer what it's about and it achieves a political aim more successfully than Zombie does. Yep. Maybe that's just because I like it more than Zombie, but I don't no, know. It's, well, it's...
1: Maybe you like it more because of that reason. You know? Who, knows? Who knows? I'm complex.
0: <laughs> Aren't we all? <laughs> Prior to this song, like I was relatively young when I heard the song for the first time. I had never heard guitar tone like this on a song before. When I that's discovered true. it as a child,
1: I, I can relate. To At that. this
0: point, it was the heaviest song that I had ever heard in my entire life. It's a
2: very and heavy pop song. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Commercial yeah. radio. Like, it's there isn't,
0: like, really true. That's that's like a metal guitar tone. You know, there's no way it should end up in like an alt rock song or let alone a fucking pop song. Like, I actually still love the guitar tone on this. Like, and how the bass is so fucking thick and steely and just that chorus fuzz when it fucking kicks in, that big distorted wave of guitar. I fucking love that. There's a lot of menace and a lot of pain in this song and yeah, maybe it has been transformed into something else but I don't know, sometimes you just forget about that and you just lose yourself in the moment and you just fucking sing along with all that fucking pain and all the fucking anguish. You can sing along to this ironically but at the same time, I, I think there are moments and chances for you to appreciate it in its own context so i really do appreciate it for that but i also do appreciate it uh for being one of the top songs that could be the biggest karaoke disasters up there with take on me and uh, now chandelier
2: yeah Uh yeah (laughs) great but even just considering this as a karaoke song is weird it it, that kind of illuminates really well how wrong it is in terms of its intention to its how, syndrome to, man. to its reception. To oh, the syndrome. Man, if
0: you look through any karaoke book, you're gonna find some busted up songs.
2: You know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like, it's not like a fun pop song to sing. Like, it's not Take on Me. Yeah, you know, you know. sing it When you're drunk, like this you is a song about. S- some- I,
0: I've seen, I've seen some sad nights of karaoke. Like some drunken sad bastard getting up and singing. Always on my mind. It's just like, oh no. But even no. that's a love song. Like <laughs> yeah.
2: to to sing to sing a, a like a really grief stricken song about like a political thing. Yeah. At karaoke,
0: it's just weird. Well, you're and not Irish as well, yeah, like, yeah. you know, like, it's just there because it it was such a big hit. You that's know? it. And, yeah, and yeah. So it's like contextually, it's just fucked. Yeah, just <laughs> yeah. do it like that. Contextually,
1: it's, just... it's fucked. I'm pretty happy with that. <laughs> yeah. Like as a summation of my <laughs> as feelings, as a
0: summation
2: of zombie. Yeah,
1: <laughs> just, uh, I mean, does that does that extend into the fact that it's number one for you? A little bit.
2: I totally agree with you. I think a lot of the tone of the music, the guitar sounds awesome. Like, yeah, compositionally, yeah. I can also see that maybe it's a bit forced and it's weird for this band to be doing this big grungy, like loud, quiet song. It's not disingenuous though. No, I no. So. I like. I think their intentions are good. Yeah, but I, it's all just weird. I, it's, it's weird that it's here. I, I, I'm not surprised that it's number one because it's that yeah. kind of '90s it's,
1: artifact. It's not any other song. There is no other song. That is "Zombie" by the Cranberries. Not even "Zombie" by the Cranberries mm-hmm. by Andrew, Andrew Jackson Jihad.
4: <laughs> <laughs> if we're talking about doing a final kind of happy if it's number one, or over, I it makes so much sense that it's number one. But I'm not necessarily happy. In fact, I'm not like there. There are so many better songs that should have been here. But that's pretty much what I think about Mather. every song Yeah, part.
0: fucking number. <laughs> yeah. Could
4: like, you imagine? And now
0: number one. Oh my god! I was
2: so excited last year though because "Asshole" being number one said it, was an, awesome. it said an yeah. awful lot about the Triple J community and what the Hottest Hundred could be. And this does not. And then yeah, this feels like a modern number one. "Asshole" set up that like the Hottest One Hundred could be fun. That salmon hater could get in a few years <laughs> from now like that all Peter these hell yeah yeah that all these ridiculous things that were this beautiful snapshot of what australia and triple j were at the time this like i mean again this is just more what the song has become since 1994 than anything it just feels so generic that this will be at the top of the countdown this if you said to me what countdown did zombie come at the top of 1994 it, it could be any countdown like yeah i would almost believe any end of year list yeah. that this would be the top whereas asshole it's like well wow, like that's Triple J, that's like, so and only Triple J, J, J would yeah. have that as number one. It's disappointing in that sense that this doesn't define the countdown for me by any means, yeah. um, which, you know, number one doesn't have to, but it's nice if
1: it mm. does. And if it did define the countdown, I think the message that it sends is really weird. You have all this grunge littered throughout it, and then you have this grunge song that's not done by a grunge band as yeah, yeah. number yeah. one. Like, what mm. message does that send? I, Who knows? I know.
4: It's another case of the Irish grunge-facing. <laughs> <laughs> Cultural appropriation at its worst. <laughs> <laughs> oh,
0: Christ. Oh, dear. That brings us to the end of the 1994 Hottest 100 and the end of season two of Hottest 100s and
1: Well done, us. We got a bigger applause <laughs> than number one. Hey, <laughs> la we must be great.
0: Woo-hoo-hoo! huge thanks to FBI Radio for having us for this entire season uh, mm. and making some time for some music
4: nerds to talk shit for a few hours. Beyond thanking them for that, if you aren't listening to FBI, you are really doing yourself a disservice. They are yeah. above and beyond Sydney's finest radio station.
0: Yeah, fucking A. And if you don't listen
1: to them, uh, get along with some gigs and stuff that they put on, because there's yeah. a lot of that too. Mm.
0: there's always plenty of stuff going on, so check out fbiradio.com for all the information. Uh, I would also like to thank everyone that has uh, been following along and supporting us and sending us uh, messages, but above all else, I want to thank Adam and Andrew and Nathan uh, guys. Thank you again so fucking much for thank doing you, this. Yeah, thank you, It's been a pleasure. Um, especially massive thanks to you to Adam for being the producer of this uh, this season. You, I see waveforms when I close my eyes. <laughs> you have Phil Spected this fucking podcast <laughs> like an absolute champion. Like, thank you for that. My pleasure. And Nathan. Andrew, thank you guys just for being here. Thank you guys for making the effort. Here we are. We're two years in and it's already been fucking wild. It's very
4: humbling for you to think that it was an ask beyond something pleasurable that I enjoyed. Yeah, yeah.
0: We are going to pick our favourites from this top ten and we're going to start with Adam.
4: Closer. It's a
0: good
2: 10 view Because you you've got Tomorrow as well Like what are you even gonna do?
1: Yeah no It just has to be Closer Closer like, It's, it's closer I mean Tomorrow Always will have a special place in my heart But I think Closer is one of the best songs I just do One of mm. the best songs One of the best songs It's good um, And my least favourite Yes Seven Heads Because it's sure as fuck not Tom Jones yeah. <laughs> Either
4: Andrew? my favourite would be come out and play the nostalgia juggles are on too tight yeah, <laughs> um, right. and my least favourite is Tom Jones
0: whoa Ooh. harsh son Ooh. fucking harsh yeah. <laughs> baiting... if <he> only knew <laughs> Andrew McDonald baiting the public since forever <laughs> you're still the villain
1: <laughs> still the you, are, you are
0: the villain of this goddamn podcast his last act was
1: also his most villainous
0: <laughs> <laughs> he, he's gonna be smoke bombing his way out of here in like two seconds laughing <laughs> fucking yeah. A uh, my favourite is Cedar Because fuck yeah, yeah, cool, yeah. And uh, my least favorite is Dead Eyes Opened.
2: Uh, My favorite, I think, I'm gonna give it to Come Out and Play, even though I want to say Tom Jones, especially because it was your least favorite. (laughs) Uh, And I think I'm gonna go with oh, do I uh, either? No, Max Sharam, maybe, because even Zombie has some stuff going for it. I don't know.
3: Yeah,
1: I don't know. I'm done. It's pronounced (laughs) Sharam. Yeah.
0: Oh, shalom to that. Uh, okay, so this is the end of season two. Uh, we'll be back probably in the next few months or so. But uh, in the meantime, uh, you can follow me on Twitter. I'm at DJYWrites. Uh, you can find my work at davidjamesyoung.com. Andrew, you're on Twitter?
4: Yeah, you can follow me at um, andrewm138. Um, I do not have a personal website because I am don't have anything to say apart from the drunken ramblings you'll find me talking about noise on twitter so hey. follow along <laughs> there you go <laughs> sold uh, yay uh, nathan have you got anything
0: coming up with uh, apple so
2: much go to applespiel.com and there'll be some information probably and not all of it right, and, and you guys are on
0: twitter as well yeah
2: Apple uh, at applespiel and i'm at nlf harrison cool. A- A- apple spiel spot the usual way yeah yeah obviously. what does the
0: what does the lf stand for uh
2: life fucker
0: nice that's fucking <laughs> awesome <laughs>
2: <laughs> no, it's my middle name.
0: That, that was out of left field?
2: <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. Oh. Man, the life fucker
1: Harris. It's how I be.
0: So fucking sweet. Adam, you got anything to plug?
1: No. Fair enough. I'm up for parties. Uh, bar mitzvahs. Yeah. Adam is
4: great at parties. Radio, yeah, produ- come, come radio hang producer
0: out. for hire. As you can hear, he does fucking great work here. Guys, <laughs> this is it. Thank you. Thank you. If you're listening to this, I'm talking directly to you. Thank you so fucking much for checking this out. On behalf of Mr. Adam Buncher.
1: See you in 95.
0: Fucking A. On behalf of Mr. Andrew McDonald. Till then. And on behalf of Mr. Nathan Lifefucker Harrison. I shouldn't have said anything. (laughs) (laughs)
1: You're going to live forever. Yeah. Oh, what did I say? Live forever.
0: (laughs) 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 <laughs> on behalf Can you get of that in post.
1: <laughs>
3: on
0: behalf of Mr. Nathan, live forever, Harris.
2: Yes, pingers.
0: <laughs> My name is David James Young. Keep music evil. Roll the credits.